0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redactibus Cephala podcast. You have, you have downloaded yourself on your device or wherever the heck you are. Another episode, uh, another bonus episode we like to call The Brig. And, uh, we have with us another awesome guest. I'm super excited. Uh, but before we introduce her, uh, I'd like to introduce my co-host in life. And my co-host on the show, I just sold Patsy's thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's creepier when I say it. With it, it, it is. It's a Mr. <laughs> Boss Rush mode. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Yes. There's three howdies for you. Um, so we have uh, we have an awesome guest with us. Normally uh, normally on, on the brig, I uh, like to introduce our guests by saying they, they stumbled their drunken ass down the stairs and we slammed the door. Uh, but, but this particular guest, she, uh, she, didn't, she didn't stumble. I, I, th- I think she might have been a little inebriated, but she was quite graceful as she walked down the stairs and into the, into the cell. It's, uh, it's Miss Kat Scully. Hey, Kat. How's it going?
1: Good. How are you? I'm happy to be here.
0: Oh, awesome. Yeah, we're doing, uh, doing pretty good. Uh, today was a little rainy, but hey, I think we kind of needed that.
1: We did. I think we really needed it. Like it's just been dreary out, which is perfect for working on my books. Awesome. I've been like, yes, this is my brighter fuel. I will get it from the weather.
0: Ooh, And you, you yes. you're like, your apartment is high up too. So you're like, you're close to the weather. It, gets to I you am.
1: <laughs> it It's like being a weather witch. And I'm like, yes, summon my thunder out my yonder window and crash while I type like that's the boom. The boom. I'm on the ninth floor of a very tall shoe factory converted into loft apartments. (laughs) And it's really great for writing, especially because there's like theories. Is it haunted? Is it not? So Mm -hmm. that's always helps.
0: So the answer is always wonder.
1: Always wonder. You never know.
2: If I'm on the ninth floor, I would always refer to it as the ninth level. Uh, Yeah. Yes. That's fair.
1: That's always a good choice.
0: (laughs) Um, so yeah, you are, so tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself. You are an author, you are an artist, you are a maker of various sellables. Um, you have an Etsy store, I know. So that, that's going back a little while and I know you just relaunched that. Um, why don't you just like, tell us about the stuff you make and then we'll get into what I really want to talk about. And I think everybody really wants to hear about, which is your new book, Jennifer Strange, which comes out in just a, just about a month, right?
1: Yes, it comes out less than a month on July twenty first. So, so we're about like three weeks away. This is—it's getting really close. Oh boy! Um, so basically, I do a lot of things, and it's a comical amount of things. I'm a primarily writer thing You and look good in
0: hats. You look good in hats, and that's good.
1: That's I know. It's lucky. funny. I've heard that my whole life. Like my whole family, you look good in hats, and I'm like, I don't know why. I guess I do. Because
0: you're always trying 100%. on different ones.
1: I'm always trying different ones. It's like, I always want to do something different. And I feel like if I want to go learn something, I'm going to go figure it out. Um, Because life's too short. I'm just going to do it. That's right. And I found that my house started filling up with artwork. And so I decided I want to start selling it. I want to start putting it on clothes. I want to start putting it on purses and bags. And I wanted my little doodles to become different like pieces that you could wear because I I just love clothing. And that all started because I did t-shirts for the Merrimack Book Festival. And I did their logo. I did all of their advertising. And we were like getting a huge call for people wanting t-shirts to celebrate the event. And I figured out that whole process on the fly and was like, oh, well, from these stores like Threadless and Etsy, I found out oh, you can do it on other merchandise. And I started to put the logo on journals and books and, like, bags. And I went, oh, what if I did my own stuff? And I struggled for a long time with what do I want to put on clothes and how do I want to do this? And I decided I want to make kind of spooky, gothic sort of looking stuff. And then sometimes cutesy, um, like – Salem witch sort of things and it's sort it spiraled from there and then I became this person just oh I have all this merchandise and it's mostly just to declutter my house (laughs) 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 and just do my own projects and I also got a lot of comments that like everyone only has so much wall space and people wanted them on shirts so it just kind of became supply and demand like people would ask me for stuff and I would make it I would doodle something put on a shirt see if anyone would want it. but yeah, it's been fun. And other than that, I've been illustrating books for about six or seven years at this point. I've worked on maybe 30 world maps. Wow. That was my big break in. Um, well, one of my big breaks, and I had a couple breaks, uh, but as an illustrator, that was where I started. And it was just because of Twitter. I got hired from Twitter, not because I was posting maps or anything. I was putting up creepy art and I got asked to do bookmarks for a middle grade book. Uh, by a horror author. And he's also a steampunk author. And now he's branched off in other things. But back then, and his name was Stefan Bachman. And he wrote The Peculiar. And he needed swag. And so I made some for him, which got the attention of Claire Legrand, who's a big YA horror author. And she asked, can you do maps? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna see if I can do maps. And I And she said, well, pitch it to Simon Schuster, and maybe they'll take it, and maybe they won't. So I said, okay. Um, And I did the map, and they loved it, and they put in the book. And then more and more people heard about it. So more and more people asked me, and I never really went and, like, sent my org to an art director or put anything out there. I just kept having people come find me and commission me. For years.
0: Wow. Uh, Doing like maps of uh, all these worlds that these people have created. A regular map scallion. Yes. I am a
1: map scallion. I like that. I should put that on a business card.
0: That might be be the name of this episode.
1: (laughs) 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 Map scallion. Yes. Yes. I like it. So, yeah, I, I did that. And... At the same time, I broke in on the horror side because I became the uh, young adult editor of the HWA, the Horror Writers Association. And I did a series with Jonathan Mabry called Scary Out There, where we would interview different authors about what it means to write horror in YA. Like, why is that such a dirty word? Why yeah. do people not want to use it? Why is it always dark fantasy or gothic romance? Like, no one wants to use horror. And so we talked to the authors about why that was a good thing. Like why you should own that or like that there's a part of your work that might be horror, even if the whole work might be leaning more towards fantasy. And it was a lot of fun. And I met a lot of people um, in the industry while I was like getting an agent and doing illustration, trying to get uh, my books published. So I've actually been around for a, a long time, but this is my first book that I've written and illustrated that's coming out. So right. I'm very excited about it, and it's a book series, which is going to be fantastic. It's a trilogy.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's you know it's interesting because I I met you just a couple of years ago, and you you seem just like so ingrained in this whole scene of all these authors and stuff. And I knew you had, I knew like you had done stuff, but I wasn't sure what. And then it's like, oh when you announced Jennifer strange a couple years ago, it's like, all right, this is going to be your debut. And I'm like, Oh, 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 I guess, I don't know. I guess I'm confused. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's really interesting how that all happened. And it's all because of Twitter. Literally you were posting artwork on Twitter you're saying, and, and that sort of started like you down that rabbit hole. And, yes, uh, exactly. The maps thing is just awesome. Like uh, I may I may commission you at some point. Uh, and I'm not even kidding. So, uh, we'll just, yeah.
1: So it's funny. I haven't done maps for a while, like maybe the past two years. Um, just because I was recovering from heart failure and I wasn't really taking on new commissions because I was having bad memory loss. So,
0: so that, like
1: that kind of halted me doing that, but I started doing maps for video games. So I'm still doing maps and I'm working on a adult fantasy or no adult science fiction commission right now. So that map will be up soon.
0: Is that something you can talk about or maybe not?
1: Which part the map?
0: Uh, Well, the project adult science fiction that your map will be a part of.
1: Oh, so I am designing a globe. So this is the first time I've been asked instead of doing, okay, here's like a fantasy map like Lord of the Rings, like Middle Earth, where you see all the mountains and rivers and this, I'm doing continents. I've never done that before. So it's been really exciting to do this aerial shot. But at the same time, in some ways, it's actually easier because I'm not drawing palaces. I think the hardest thing I've ever done was there was a Jumanji inspired Muslim middle grade where I had nine levels of this palace. And I had to draw all of the interiors of each of the nine levels. Wow! They were all different. And that was one of the most fun and difficult hat tricks I've ever done. Um, And my other favorite map was probably when I worked for Scholastic on the serpent secret. Uh, And that one was, I painted it in a week and it was all these different floating, um, like locations. Like you'd think, kind of a, the never ending story where the, it's just like floating in space sure, as yeah. a palace. That's what it looked like. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know a ton about the map I'm working on just because it's gotten to this point. I used to read every book before I did the map and now my life is so busy. I'm like, what described the world? And so I read maybe 10 pages of documents to Figure out what the world was and what it was about. It's very Terry Pratchett. Like, it's really funny. Oh, nice. And described in a really fun way. And it's five books and it goes into each of the planets and all of it. It's about a planet called Dribble and it's told like Terry Pratchett. It's hilarious. So nice. I'm looking forward to that. But I met the author at Bosco. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we were signing together and he just commissioned me there. <laughs> we were signing. <laughs> for um our little like hour where you sit at the table. So I cool. always just like randomly meet people and they commission me. That's pretty much how I've always gotten work, but um <laughs> yeah, it's always been so random. You're
0: like, yeah, I don't I don't need to like go out and find a job. They find me. Doesn't it work this way for everyone else? I mean, come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now now I'm uh looking into making the leap into working with art directors. So, okay. I Uh, I entered this program called muddy colors and they do where you have a mentor and they take you on and look at your work once a month and you get an hour phone call and they tell you how to improve and they tell you how to um, like what to put in your portfolio. So I've actually been working on that because it is more difficult when the art director doesn't know you Mm. and the authors are paying you and it's harder like to get known by the publishing houses and maybe go after some cool projects you want to do. Like one thing I wanted to leap into and I created the job for myself was interior illustrations. I love doing maps, but I wanted to do those really cool spreads you see in books, whether they're young adult or adult. Um, And I wanted to do creepy or fantasy or science fiction. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do that with my book and like prove I can do it. And then maybe get to be a part of some projects like that. Cause I'm like, basically I'm saying my dream job is to do Necronomicon.
0: <laughs> like, I just want
1: that job. So hire me to do that job. <laughs>
0: like the, the, the actual Necronomicon by which you read and then evil forces come to life or, right. like, or like the prop. Yeah. Both. Both. Oh, like I, God. I've
1: right. done concept art for film. And I'm like, yes, I would do a prop. I would do a movie prop.
0: But also the one that you can actually read and Kendarian demons enter our world and possess the living and all that stuff too. Yes. Yes.
1: I want that job. <laughs> I want to I be think, the author of that book.
0: <laughs> I think I, th- I think that was Zena's job. I think Zena did that. I believe we learned.
1: I, we did. Um, we did learn that.
0: Yeah. Um, so, okay. So we're working our way to Jennifer. So you mentioned it briefly, you had this big health crisis that happened, this big event. Um, and you know, you originally mentioned, uh, I remember reading about this book coming out a couple of years ago and that it was going to be out about a year ago. Um, so are you comfortable talking about what happened? And cause I, I think this is an absolutely amazing story. um, and it, it's a it's a just a story of perseverance, and um, I have never heard anything like this before. If if you are willing to talk about it, I'd love to let the audience in on what happened.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I don't really have any qualms about talking about what I went through because what I went through is so rare. Like usually you hear about like you're in your 80s and you have heart failure, and I had the uh, um, unfortunate experience to have a mutated gene so what i'm saying is i'm an x-men
0: well and one of my
1: (laughs) of my heart so you're you're uh,
0: you're you're cat pride you you know you go by cat now
1: yes i'm like kitty pride but i'm cat pride
0: cat pride yes
1: yes i can't go through walls yet i'm waiting for that mutation to like come (laughs) into effect and then maybe i'll go through walls <laughs> um, and that have a little pet dragon. I think she has. That would be oh, cool.
0: Oh yes, yes, Lockheed. Yes. You'll you'll yes. name him. You'll name yours Martin.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what happened was I had no idea I was dying. I was working on a world map. Uh, Give the dark my love by Beth Revis for a random house, and all of a sudden I couldn't read the emails, and I couldn't understand what she was saying. And they had to keep giving me the same notes over and over. And I had no idea. I was like, I don't know what's happening. And then I started to get sick with like bronchitis. And they tried everything. They tried all the normal things you give to somebody and it wouldn't go away. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. And eventually it got to the point, we went to Universal for my son's birthday. And I remember... (laughs) I couldn't walk up the stairs. He re- hes really into Harry Potter. Um, we were walking up the stairs to one of the rides, like the Gringotts Bank, and I couldn't—I couldn't even go up a fly of stairs. And it wasn't that far; it was like ten steps, and it was—I was winded. And I said I, I kept feeling like I had water in my lungs. I didn't know why, um, and I just couldn't shake this cold. It had been eight weeks, and I didn't know. And when we got back, I couldn't get out of bed, and my husband, we took me to, thankfully, his family's really medical. So they knew to take me to the urgent care. And if the urgent care sees you and determines that you don't, like you have a severe problem, you get rushed through the ER line, because you already have had somebody see you. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea about that. And they saw me and like took an x-ray and saw I had all this fluid in my lungs. And they're like, either you have pneumonia or something else. And they um, took me to the ER and went yeah, no, you have heart failure. And I was like, what? 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 So they spent like two weeks, the summer of 2018, getting like 16 pounds of fluid off my body that had backed up because my heart had enlarged and it couldn't pump the fluid anymore, which explained the memory loss. I didn't know this until later, but my heart wasn't pumping hard enough to my brain. So that's why that was one of the first signs was it wasn't functioning enough to read enough to like pull up a memory of. I didn't know my heart had gone all the way down to 10%. Holy
2: crap. I
1: didn't know. (laughs) Like I just thought I had bronchitis and they sent me home and told me, I had to completely change my diet. It wasn't caused by diet or anything like that. I was very like vegetables person and hummus and granola and like the only meat I really ate was fish. So it was like, I don't know what you all want me to do, but it turns out I couldn't eat salt oh, because I- if I had too much salt, then it would back up all the fluid again. And then my heart wouldn't work. So I had to go on a like very strict salt diet and slowly start to work out um and get my heart back up and over the course of two years i've gotten it back up to 45 percent, which was like a miracle um to that like to the doctors but it, they said it was really because i just followed the really strict guidelines of food and i was like i don't care i just want to live I'll, I'll eat whatever you want me to eat like <laughs> right. they said that's hard for most people Is like not have salt uh that's no processed meat. That's no sandwiches. That's no spaghetti sauce. That's no salami. That's no, like, I really miss prosciutto and hot dogs. Oh, like, you yeah. <laughs> can't have that. So I've gone basically vegetarian. I still have fish, but, like, you know, I have to really be aware when I eat out if there's salt in the food. And if I have it, mm. um, then I have to make sure that, like, the next three days after I don't have any salt so that my body can get rid of it. Um, so nuts. It was weird. But when I found out I was getting published, when I got out of the hospital like three days later, I got the call from Mac, uh, John McLevine, who's the, edit, the editor-in-chief and publisher of Payroll House. And he read it while I was in the hospital and came back and said, I want to publish your book. And that was just the best. Uh, that yeah. was the yeah. best feeling to come out of the hospital mm-hmm. and find out. After so many years, I was going to be a published author because I had been through so much um, just to get published. And I was over the moon. Yeah. Um, but then it got to trying to do revisions. And that whole feeling of that I had when I couldn't read emails was still there, but it was worse. And so I was trying to edit, trying to revise. Um, and I, what I was churning in didn't make any sense. Like the sentences didn't make sense. They were all choppy. They were weird. Like I couldn't process words. I couldn't read. I could only read if it were an audiobook and it was read out loud to me. Okay. And so I had to completely learn how to read and write to put this book out.
0: <laughs> wow. <Unbelievable>. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: was a, not your typical story.
0: You can laugh now.
1: I can laugh now. No, I was laugh laughing now. the whole time. They actually said that at the hospital. I had horrible leg cramps when I was in the ICU. And I was really flexible because I did a lot of yoga. So I was trying to get rid of the leg cramp. And I put my foot over my head. And the nurse came in and almost passed out. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> wow. I've never seen a heart failure patient put your her foot over her head. And I was just cracking jokes with all the nurses the whole time. I, like, <laughs> treat the whole thing with a sense of humor because that's <laughs> what I do. Like,
0: You were there to make their day better. That's why you were there. It's true.
1: It's true. Like, they were teaching me how to walk again. I was like, look, we're just out for a daily walk, you know, walking the dog. And all the nurses are like, (laughs) oh, my God.
0: (laughs) You're you're supposed to be just relaxing and doing what they're telling. And and your brain is like, hmm, stupid human trick time. What what do I got? What do I got? I can make this fart sound with my hands if I stick it together and... (laughs) English, you know.
1: <laughs> that's right. I, you know, I think it's because like my Played dad's side Span of the family is Scott, is they're Scottish. So everything's about being sarcastic humor. Um, and that's, that's just what I do <laughs> as a result.
0: <laughs> and that definitely
1: comes through in my book. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's, that is pretty amazing. Um, like I've never heard anything like this. I mean, I remember just reading this when you shared on, on Facebook, uh, some time ago, it's, it's like, obviously so many of us didn't have any clue, um, nor should we have, but it's like, Oh, oh my God, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. So I'm, I'm, I'm very glad you're cool talking about it. Cause wow. What is What a story really?
1: Yeah. And I'm and happy you're here. Weird.
0: I'm happy <laughs> you're weird here, story, man. Yeah.
1: yeah like, I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like what?
1: I shouldn't be here, but I am. I'm yeah. defying God.
0: <laughs> yeah. I sorry, pal. I got other plans. I got to see yeah. this Jennifer Strange book. Come and on. You see, yeah. this
1: is why I like Ash because it's the exact same thing. Of like, nope. I got other plans today. This is what's happening. This is my plan now. This is what we're doing. That is an
0: interesting uh, line of correlation to draw. Like, yeah. yeah, you're right. Ash has no business being alive. Yeah. He's a. Tar- Go ahead and cry to mama. I'm through running.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> oh man! Oh man! He he did get stupider as it went, though. But um,
1: yeah. oh, he did. <laughs> that <laughs> Before poor we, man.
0: <laughs> so obviously, you know, it 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 will say this um, on the link that that our listeners have clicked on. But uh, we will be talking about Evil Dead because you are a big fan, and I know that this series is uh, one of not only is it uh, so much. One of your favorite things that uh, so many people online, including myself, literally just our brain goes to you when we see an Evil Dead meme. Um, <laughs> uh, so intrinsic is Cat Scully to the uh, the Phantom of Evil Dead, but, um,
1: <laughs> but as it should be. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, um, but but which is a cool. It's an awesome property to to have that happen to. I mean, it could be something worse. I mean, let's be real.
1: It could. There could be a lot. There's a lot of worse
0: things. Like, uh, I, Twilight yeah. always makes me think of you. And I'm like, why? Like, this, it's, not, it's not fair. <laughs> like, there's got to be something better. Come on.
1: Well, that was true for a while for every YA author, though. I mean, yeah. everybody was like, oh, so it's like Twilight. And we're all like, no.
0: <laughs> like <you laughs> All think of this- us,
1: collectively, no matter what genre we were writing, no.
0: <laughs> because, because one series is an entire genre unto itself. Okay. That's right. Yep. <sighs> but anyway, that's why <laughs> I, it just, it just hurt. It just hurt. It did so much harm to vampires in general. It did. Uh, but that's okay. Um, we can have different flavors of the same thing. Um, so yeah, uh, off mic, you and I were talking about this a little bit. Um, the 2013 remake of evil dead actually was very inspirational to you. And you said that that sort of helped you solidify a lot of ideas that you had had and you sort of fixed what you didn't like about the movie by writing Jennifer Strange, yes, more or less. I actually
1: really love the remake, mm. and I love all of the the whole franchise. Like I love all of it. Um, S- my same, favorite same, yeah. is the original, Ooh. and like the first one because really? yeah, it is because it reminds me so much of when I was in college and I was a screen. I was a screenwriter. Like that was what. I was in the professional writing department, but my main focus was going and running over to the theater department, taking every screenwriting class that they offered. Um, so that was, I'm like, I'm going to do my thesis on like my, my thesis was Jennifer strange. It was a TV pilot for that show.
0: Ah, that's super cool.
1: In my spare time, which wasn't a lot because I was in the honors college. I was, um, a journalist for media, like, plays, books, movies. I would do reviews for this, um, news- the university newspaper. And I would run around the woods and film videos with a bunch of friends who really wanted to make it into the film industry. So everybody would rotate a role. Um, I was usually the script supervisor. So I would work with the director fixing the script. Mm-hmm. Um, But there were times I was the director of photography and I was down in the dirt, like shooting the shot. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just like seeing them put that together in the woods with like no budget Mm -hmm. and doing Uh, what they could reminded me of like having to borrow our school equipment. And we're all just like a hodgepodge of different majors from the theater department, the film department and the writing department, all getting together and deciding we're just going to make movies yeah because this is what we want to do, and I'm like, I really love that that they just went out and did it, like and it's a nostalgia thing for me. Um, because, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> That's really, really cool. I mean, you have that 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 shared sort of experience, so that's uh, that's more meaningful to you that's that's super cool. Um, yeah, I mean that that movie is absolutely like you know amazing for what it is. It's just absolutely like a miracle that it's as good as it is for you know what they had to work with and obviously the weekends and stuff and <clears throat> I assume you've read uh, Bruce Campbell's books I assume yes
1: Oh my God yes I've read yes. them and I've done the audio books of them Yes because yes, the it's audi- great to have him read it to you Yeah
0: Oh absolutely which is So wonderful <laughs> Yep So the first one uh, if Jins could kill he he talks about how they would come home he would come home at the end of the day and there was so much. Uh, like Cairo syrup, basically, that they use for blood, uh, on his clothing. That at the end of the day, and they're in the like the woods of Michigan. It's they're like f- it's freezing, and which doesn't come off on screen. Like it doesn't look. I don't watch that movie and think, oh, it's it's really cold. But it, I mean, there's some mist and stuff throughout the woods. But I don't know. I don't I don't feel like it looks cold. Apparently they're they're freezing the whole time, and uh, you know the Cairo syrup or, or whatever. It's like. It's so hard. It's like armor, and he had to cut. He had to have, like his girlfriend or whoever, had to actually cut him out of his clothes at the end of every single day, because there was just <laughs> so much <Yeah. laughs> of this this frozen, dried blood. Um, so funny. Um, I no, mean, that, I that's a labor believe of it,
1: Because I went to school forty five minutes to an hour west of where they shot it. Really? Yes, I went to school in the middle of the North Carolina woods, just across the border, but from Tennessee. Oh, so wow. I knew how cold it got out there. And so it was a different experience for me reading their like account of how everything was filmed because I'm like, Oh, I know what the woods are like here. I've mm-hmm. gone out in them. Like I know it, it gets pretty cold. Yeah. Um, especially cause of the elevation. Cause it's the Appalachian mountains. It, I completely believe it, and I also yeah. relate to it because we used a, a, like excessive amounts of caro syrup too yeah. to do the same thing because it's cheap and it looks like blood. It's great, so yeah, we I I guess it was one of those things like wow, I've been there and I've done that too, and that's cool. But the first one I saw wasn't Evil Dead; it was Army of Darkness.
0: Same, yeah. Yeah, was that your first one? Yeah. yeah, I saw it in the theater. Um, and, and I knew nothing about it. I didn't know it was the number three. I had no idea. I just literally thought it looked awesome, and uh, you know, this is '92, so you know, I yeah. was like 13, and uh, just absolutely loved it. Just, just yeah, I was
2: just getting out of high school. I, I remember the ad for it. It sounded yeah. like it has like Metallica sounding riff into it, and that caught my attention immediately. Like, ooh, Metallica! I was like, what's what's going on here? And then like this guy with a chainsaw for a hand. I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I remember thinking, like, I don't know who this guy is at all, but it, he looks awesome and he, it like, all these one-liners that they worked into the trailer were so damn funny. Like, one-liners are just, it is, a, it is not an easy thing to write a bunch of really funny one-liners. Most of the time, they, they fall flat, especially for me. I have, like, a very particular taste in, in humor, and I tend to be more like the Mel Brooks side of things, and, like, I don't know. Like, there's certain humor that just I just I just really gravitate towards. But one-liners tend to fall flat. Every friggin' one-liner in Army of Darkness is gold. Every single one. Every single. It's Every unbelievable. Every single
1: one. That's wonderful. So I came to that movie in the weirdest way possible. I was in school. I was in high school. I think eleventh grade, and I was taking engineering. Cause I was really good at engineering. Um, I just randomly ended up there and my teacher, Mr. B was like going on and on. And I think he just had a, a card game. It was like an army of darkness card game. Mm. And we all looked at it and we were like, we don't know who this character is. We don't know who ashes. He said, what? Okay. We're not having class. <laughs> we're all just watching army of darkness. <laughs> so that's how I saw the movie.
0: Amazing. It's because awesome. that
1: was my schoolwork to wow. watch army of darkness. And I, I fell instantly in love and I know why it's because I grew up on Looney Tunes. My dad's a huge Looney yes. Tunes guy, yeah. Mel Brooks, like uh, three stooges. And so that was my sense of humor. And I went, Oh my God, I didn't know horror could be like this. I didn't yeah. know it could be funny.
2: Right.
1: Like I didn't know this is, this is my jam. And so yeah. I, I had parents that weren't really into horror. They um were not a big fan of it. So I didn't see Evil Dead till I was at college. And I saw Evil Dead 2 and then Evil Dead. So I went completely backwards.
0: <laughs> I think I did the same exact thing. Because yeah, I, I did I believe like I think that when I learned it was a trilogy, I was like, okay, well obviously I, I have to see these other movies. Um you know, cause by that point, uh, so what, what happened was that movie came out and then like within a couple months we were seeing trailers for Briscoe County jr. So I was like, okay, I'm super happy. I love this dude. I don't know who he, like Bruce Campbell, this guy, I don't know where he came from, but he's going to have a, a cowboy TV show. I'm all in. So I was like, yay, Bruce Campbell. And I'm trying to find all this stuff, but this was like, you know, in the early nineties, it was not exactly easy to. To find stuff. You're not, you know, there's no internet. There's no, you know, pretty much had like one store at the mall and, you know, uh, video stores and whatnot. So I was trying to find like these, uh, these, these other movies. What are they? What are they? Oh, Evil Dead? What? It's not called, like, that doesn't even uh, Evil Dead 1 and 2 and then Army of Darkness? Like, I didn't even get it. And I think that it was a long time before I even was able to track down a copy of the first Evil Dead. Like, the, the local video stores just didn't have it. Um, so I had seen, I believe I saw the second one, uh, second. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it is, it is funny though. When you watch them out of order, it sort of doesn't matter except there is that ending of, uh, evil dead two, which they play in the beginning of, of army darkness, which is, was nice to have some context there. Although every single time I watch it, I watch army of darkness, which I have seen more than the other ones all combined just cause I just love it so much, but I love them all. But it's, it's so funny to see that one shot of him with the, the side of his hair has turned, turned white. And then they yeah. sort of yes. just dropped that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like now nah, we don't want them to look like that. We're just we're not going to keep going with that. Um, but part it's of in thing there. I love it's like about there's that franchise
1: It's like you know what? I'm going to completely redo this. You know what? Yep. Do over. I do the same thing. I'm like, you know what? That's not working. We're gonna do it this way.
2: And yeah, because yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Steve mentioned, Ma- well,
1: no, it's your work. You do what you want.
2: <laughs> yeah, like like Steve you mentioned, like the ending of our um, Evil Dead too. Like you know, he drops down to the ground, and like you know, he's in medieval times, and you know, he blows the head off that demon, and they all like, oh, hail, hail, he's the chosen one, and then like in the intro of Army of Darkness, totally different. He, all right, all right, they can't have him be worshipped right away. He's got to earn it. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: totally different totally different so there's always there's something that i always sort of noticed i guess i was conscious of it but i didn't ever think about it and i know because I, I watched army of darkness again last night and it, it, it it's probably been over a decade since i've seen it but oh my god I, I must have seen the movie like 30 times overall but it's just been a little while but there's that one shot <clears throat> at the beginning of army of darkness where he's falling and the car is falling it it sort of looks like you can see a there's like a rope connected to the car, but I, I don't know if it's like technically just I don't know, a glitch in the film or something, or if there's actually a rope. But it looks like it's just being lowered technically, although it looks so completely like it's really in free fall, and it it, it looks amazing. I don't know how they exactly did that. If they really dropped a car or if it's on ropes oh, or no, they got a they crane,
1: did. they dropped it.
0: Yeah, uh, it's just so awesome.
1: But so but there's
0: but so did you ever notice, like, where ash falls? Uh-huh. It's like there's a bunch of just sheet metal or something. Yeah, that's you know, really weird. I I really don't know the answer to this. I don't know. I don't know if you do, but. Uh-huh what's the deal with that like why would they it doesn't it's not like it's uh, a pillow or something soft for him to land on her and we weren't supposed to see no no it's just like a bunch of plate metal like the side of a shed or something and he just lands on it and it's just a hundred percent is incongruous with the setting of where he lands like there's okay. no other big pieces of metal anywhere he's back in time I don't know if that was supposed to be like part of the house that got sucked in and landed first or something. And that <laughs> it was just something I, I noticed last night that I'm like, you know what? I don't know.
1: I always assumed that it was part of the house because like in that area, I know it's not supposed to be set in the area of like Tennessee, North Carolina. There's a bunch of like tin put in houses. So I was like, eh. you know, like there's a whole bunch about that movie. I'm like, eh. <laughs> like there's some guys in the background, sweatpants, right? Like, <laughs> That's part of the charm. Is like yeah, yeah. I don't know why this makes sense, but this is gold.
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: please.
0: <laughs> just, just a weird thing. I just, I just observation. I just, I just had there. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not sure what they were. If that was truly part of part of the narrative or not. I also uh, did not know before last night that uh, Bill Mosley is in the movie. Bill yes. Mosley of the uh, the Devil's Rejects and uh, yes, other things. Yeah.
1: I thought that was him. I only just recently saw The Devil's Rejects because I live in, like, where Rob Zombie's from. I live in Haverhill. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've never seen any of Rob Zombie's movies because I always thought, oh, they're too gory, or I don't know if I'll like them. And then I watched it, and I absolutely loved them. Like, I loved Captain Spaulding. I thought he was so funny. (laughs) I'm I'm really glad I checked him out. Um, And I felt like... There are so many nods, like to each other, between yeah. like Rob Zombie and Sam Raimi, and it's it's great. Like it's so much fun.
0: Yeah. So so I'm read. I'm like looking at the cast, and it's like Bill Mosley. Who does he play? And it says like uh, uh, like a uh, Evil Dead general or something, or undeadite general or something. Yeah. yeah. So, or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, what? What? What did he? Who was that? Who's that? So I'm like, well, Google. And I'm typing away, like, Google, tell me who, who who does he play? And apparently there was, like, this legend for years that he was the, the evil Ash character, which is not true, and that was, no, that was, was not. Bruce Campbell.
1: <laughs> that was Bruce, yeah. Uh,
0: but he says he got, he got that. There are, like, a few times he's posted about this on Twitter. And uh, apparently he gets that all the time. That's what everybody thinks. And he's like, I wasn't. I'm not evil. I'm in there. He's like, I'm not evil Ash. That is Bruce. But there is a character. He has an eye patch. He has like two horns on his helmet. He's I only noticed him and I was really looking in the background. I noticed him in two scenes, but he does have one line and it is when, uh, evil Ash and the company is taking the castle and they ride in. And, uh, there is this character, this, this Bill Moseley character. And he says something like we've taken the castle, my Lord, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like real quick. Just
1: that's who I thought he was.
0: That's Yeah. Yep. yeah oh that's my God. Him.
1: That's so funny.
0: Because the, because there aren't any other characters that have speaking lines that aren't uh, animatronic skeletons. I don't think right.
1: <laughs> they're all animatronic,
0: yeah. which I love. Or, <laughs> or stop, stop motion, or, or whatever puppets or yeah. stop motion, either way. But so before we delve too too deeply into the world of Evil Dead, so Jennifer Strange. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Jennifer Strange. Let's talk Jennifer
1: Strange. She's a big. And we were deal. talking about the remake too, and like what. Um, the the that, remake
0: of Jennifer Strange? There's already a no, remake? No, oh, no, the remake
1: of Evil Dead. And like, ah, yes. why that kind of inspired me. Um,
0: yes, so, yes, please go ahead. Yes,
1: yes. So I was very excited when the trailer for that came out. I think it was 2013, right, when the movie came out. And yes. I had just had my son. I was um, That gave me the courage to kind of go query agents because up until that point, I was really scared. I had decided I wanted to take my script I wanted to turn it into a book and try to get the book series made and published and then try to get a TV show made if like by sub rights. And I saw the trailer and I was like, Oh my God, like it would be amazing to have a female lead. Yeah. I love that twist and I saw it and I, I love the remake. I completely love the ending where there's just blood everywhere and a chainsaw. (laughs) Ah, like that's my jam. That is so my jam. And I was like, the only thing I wished this had was Ash's humor like that. Like that's right. the heart of it. Like for all the, the blood splatter and the gore there's Ash's humor yeah. is really what sold me on this series. Right. Cause we talked earlier about, I love the idea that there could be horror comedy. Mm-hmm. And I went, why can't we have it be both? And I wanted it to be both, but at the same time, I really appreciated a more serious take of the film. And so I, I didn't really look at it and go, Oh, I didn't like it. I want to write it and do it better. I looked at it like, you know, wouldn't it be fun to do it my way? This would be fun. I feel like this is a sandbox, like that whole world. Mm-hmm. This is before the show came out, like the yeah. Asher's Evil Dead. It's like, this is a great sandbox I want to play in. And it's really funny because at the point I was writing it, I had not seen Buffy, I had not seen Supernatural. Oh, wow. Um I wasn't like informed by them in my childhood and that really inspired me. It was more that I was introduced to them, I think around 2012, 2013. um, And I had only just started watching them. I think I finished watching Buffy maybe two years ago. Okay. Um, And I had already written the book and revised it. I had landed an agent um, in early 2014, my first agent. And I, Didn't know what I wanted to do with the book entirely. I just knew that whenever I write something, I look at it as a letter back to a type of media that I like. So Jennifer Strange is my letter back to Sam Raimi. Um, and to everyone who worked on Evil Dead, to Bruce, to Rob Taper, to everybody
0: mm-hmm. who made
1: that possible.
0: Love it. And Jodie
1: Foster
2: you- and for 10 seconds in Army of Darkness? Uh, oh,
1: no, yes. no,
0: not Jodie not Foster, Bridget, Bridget Fonda.
2: I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> I Bridget like, Fonda, honestly, I'm sorry.
1: It's like contact, right? <laughs>
2: she, she was in it even less. Yes. <laughs> she was virtually not at all
1: virtually not at all but we're gonna do it for her do it for jodie foster
0: <laughs> and <laughs> hey she was you know hey jodie foster was in the army of darkness exactly the same amount that cat scully was in army of darkness So that's pretty cool that's
1: right that's right yeah, that's, that's, you
0: guys have that cool. in common it's pretty we cool we do <laughs> we
1: do we have so much in common i just wish she knew um <laughs> i think
0: I think, so. <laughs> I think she does i think she yeah. does cat i think she does
1: yeah so I, I think it was more that these media informed my revisions of it because I have worked on Jennifer since 2013.
0: Amazing. I've worked That's on it time. as a
1: script since 2009, so over 10 years. But I've worked on it as a book for seven, I think, or eight. Like, at this point, I'm losing count. Like, I don't even know how many years or how many drafts or how many revisions. It was so much, I went on and wrote two other books. So I have two other books, um, that have nothing to do with Jennifer, um, that I'm, I'm excited about that I'm hoping will sell to. Uh, but yeah, I just view it as I'm going to write a letter back. And then is Evil Dead came out yes. and I was over the moon. I was watching so it good. every week. I was just yep. like, Oh my God, I'm so here for it. I was really happy stars picked it up and did such a brilliant job. And then we, I met Kelly And I went, yes, Kelly is everything I wanted. She's funny. She's smart. She's kick ass. She's great. Like, I just want, yes.
0: She has, yep. She has a powerful vagina named Pedro.
1: Yes, she does. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it was a lot of fun. I loved that show. I was sad that it ended. I I like the way that it ended.
0: I mean, the note that it ends on, I just adore. And it's like, yes yes, you could say, you could absolutely say, oh my God, how could they leave us there? And I would say, but that would have been a different show. Right. That, it would that, have
1: been a different show.
0: I don't, honestly, I would be, and feel free to disagree, and Ross sure. Rush, but in my opinion, I would rather have like a Pablo and um, Kelly show continue without Ash than an Ash show continue without Pablo and Kelly. Because at this point, I think like we've we have a lot we have a lot of Bruce Campbell, he's kind of all done, whatever you know he he's on in years, and you know he's been doing this a long time, and I was so pleased with the way those two characters, especially Kelly, ended up uh like growing and coming into themselves um i just I just adore both of them, and I would love to see the continuing adventures of them in an ashless world, you know. I'd be happy with that. Hey, I love Ash. I'm never going to say no to Bruce Campbell, but that's my personal opinion.
1: I'm really excited for what's going to happen in the future because of this hint that, okay, there's always going to be an evil book. There's always going to be evil to fight. But what if we're looking at several heroines? Mm Because he said heroines in this case. And I was like, oh, they're looking more into what I always hoped they would, which is more female leads in that sort of Ash role like where they're dealing with this whole horrible situation of being placed as the chosen one with humor. And that's exactly what I wanted to write with Jennifer. Mm -hmm. So that was my, okay, I'm going to take this idea and I want to adapt it for a teen audience. And it's still going to be fighting demons, but it's fighting ghosts. And what does that mean? What does that look like? And a lot of that was informed by... I saw supernatural and the brothers dynamics and how they like gave each other crap all the time. I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. Because right. The original premise of Jennifer was her and her aunt, like that, her dad drops her off, leaves her with her aunt and she and her, her aunt have to figure out how to fight these things. Cause I wanted there to be some sort of disconnection between Jennifer and her family member. And I realized I need to get it even closer when I saw Sam and Dean hmm. um, and do sisters that were estranged from each other and have it be a process of them coming back together through the first book.
0: Very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, pitching it as, you know, the sister property to supernatural is a, is a pretty smart move. I think (laughs) because I'm a big fan and I, a big part of what I love about supernatural is that sibling dynamic where they're constantly bickering everything you just said, like such a big part of why I love that show and i have a brother so it it really like it really hits home and i always feel like i always see myself in one of the characters and you know him and the other one and i mean i'm i'm dean of course I mean, yes of course. i can
1: tell of course um
0: <laughs> because i'm the hot one and uh,
1: <laughs>
0: but, uh, but he, yeah, i mean totally. he it's, no it's fine he knows that it's, he knows this it's 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 fine it's fine but, uh, <laughs> but i think that that's that's amazing that's that's really really cool actually i'm on haverlhouse.com. Uh Uh, I'm on the uh, Jennifer Strange by Pat Skelly page. Uh, So it should be stated also that the book is technically still up for pre-order. Yes.
1: Yes, it is. It's still up for pre-order.
0: Pretty cool. So if you guys out there are interested in uh, checking out this awesome book that is not only written by you, but also filled with your illustrations, because this is an illustrated novel.
1: Yes, it is. It's part journal. So when jennifer ends up in savannah staying with her older sister her father like sees that she wakes up she is at a volleyball practice and is attacked by a ghost and her powers of summoning have woken up and what her dad decides to do is that night he drives her down to savannah drops her on her older sister's doorstep and says i got to go find a more powerful relic to keep these things away from you and try to stop this curse here's my journal. Here's something to protect you. In the meantime, this necklace your mom used to use. Hopefully that should keep you all straight. I got to go buy.
0: <laughs> and this was written before you ever saw Supernatural? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's very, that's obviously very similar. You must've like, you know, pooped your pants when you're watching. You're like, what the fuck is this?
1: I did. I did. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, oh, Come on, Eric. <laughs> this is what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I have come to this place of like, when I was a younger uh, writer, like early twenties, I went, Oh no, if somebody does the same thing as me. I'll know. Uh, it's going to be, no one's going to want to buy it. Nobody's going to want to like make a TV show out of it. No one's going to want to buy the series even or, as a book series. And then I realized, no, no, no. You need to not think that way because everything is in cycles, right? Like we had Buffy in the 90s and we had Supernatural in the 2000s mm-hmm. and like those properties come and go just like whatever I write probably will. Like I'll have a heyday with a book series and then I'll write something else. And those fans need to go somewhere else. Like they 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 like that sort of thing. Yeah. And if they're like like Supernatural's ending right now and I can go, "Hey, you love this series so much. Come check out my thing. You know, like, yeah. why would I feel jealous about something when there's so many differences between my work and Supernatural? Like, they go into the angel and demon arc, and I'm not ever going to go there. Yeah, I'm going a completely different direction, which is mostly involving witchcraft and necromancy. So I'm like, no, no. Even though the, the setup is the similar, sexy the, sex- yeah, the, sexy yep. the sexy stuff. Yeah, the sexy stuff. I'm doing the sexy stuff. So, like, why would I not go, hey, Buffy fans, hey, Supernatural fans, come check me out. Like, sure. I've got something that's similar that you might enjoy.
0: I have a journal. M- M- you like journals? You like you dads like journals? leaving journals?
1: You like jo- you like journals? You like I, demons I, and journals? I hey. got a uh, journal right here.
0: Dads leaving journals. You. Hey. Yeah. Hey. There.
1: Hey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also exactly. other good stuff. Also other good, good stuff.
1: stuff. There's... <laughs> Exploding people, you know. Oh, exploding
0: people? <laughs> <Ooh>.
1: Yes. <laughs> I like
0: splodies. <laughs> yes, I have
1: splodies. So you,
0: Jennifer has spl, sp- She has sploties.
1: She does. She does. So her power, like I mentioned before, is summoning. So if she is like a ghost is floating by and she touches them, she can give them a body, like a physical anchor in this world. She can bring them back to life. But demons don't have a physical body. They're monsters, basically, you know, and they're invisible. They don't have really any way to cross over but to infect a host, like a parasite, mm-hmm. and take them over, right? Mm-hmm. So, Like a
2: parasite, Steve.
1: Like a parasite. Like a parasite. So, <laughs> she if she, she <laughs> touches <laughs> the host, the demon rips right out of them. Ah. Much like Alien. Yes. But bigger. So the whole person explodes.
0: The birth is always painful.
1: It is. It's always painful. So that's how it gets a bit gory. (laughs)
0: That's very cool. And it is still, uh, this is a YA series, but you Mm -hmm. really were, you know, you really wanted to push that envelope where you weren't seeing it. Right. And so like, okay, it's okay. Like, like I was, uh, I was saying, I can't remember if we, this was off mic or pre-interview or not, but we're talking about uh, scary, stories to, scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the movie that just came out. And obviously there's a book series. Um, but my daughter, uh, who the listeners might know as Dr. Matteo, she, um, she had seen this movie and was, you know, she's 11 now. She was scared uh, to the point where she didn't want to look at the screen for like pretty much all the scary parts. And then we got home and, it, you know, she she was like, I, I, I want to go see it again. So even though she's, you know, a little too young, maybe, maybe they were going for 14 or so, 13, 14, and she's like, just just 11. Maybe she's like, oh, a little bit too young, but but yet she wanted to give it another shot because we, there's a reason why horror has been popular forever for hundreds of years. There is a literal reason that we like being scared. We like scary stuff. If, 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 you know, the writer of anything, whatever it is, if the, if the book or the movie or anything is, you know, if it, the punches are too pulled, uh, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't accomplish what it's set out to accomplish. Um, obviously there are horror comedies. I mean, you know, like we said, evil, evil dad is like scary. Evil Dead Two is a little bit more funny. And Evil Dead, you know, Three Army Darkness is just you know there's nothing scary in that. It's just kind of a horror. It's It's more it's more comedy than horror, but it's horror elements and stuff. But uh, but you know, to find that if you're going for actual scary, it's okay, even though it's for little kids, like not little little kids. You're going for young adults, or because this is young adult, not mid grade, right? So
1: right, so it's actually younger YA. Ah. So it's not a 17 year old, it's a ninth grader. So she is just coming out of middle school and she's ripped away from her high school freshman year to be put into another high school in Savannah. Mm. So this happens on her first day of school at her new, like elite academy that her dad has somehow put her in. And it's hinted that like either you have to have the grades to get in or your family has to know somebody. Uh, so that's a little Easter egg. I don't know if anyone's going to catch, but I'm going to say it on the show is that, okay, how did Jennifer in one day, less than a day end up in this elite school? Cause she doesn't have the grades to get in. Like her grades are good on the math side, but not the English side. I tried to make her as different for me as possible because I'm horrible at math. So I was like, Oh, she's great at math, bad at <laughs> writing. Um, and, she's like, I don't know how I got in here. And you do find out later, like, uh, this is like on the first page of the book. So it's not really a spoiler, but his, her father's from a line of prestigious ghost hunters, like Mm. a high level family. And there is another family that is hunting her for her gifts. Mm. And she doesn't know why. And she doesn't know if maybe that's where her dad went was to face that other family for some reason. And so throughout the course of the book, that's the underlying kind of, if we're talking TV show writing, that's the B plot. Cause the A plot is Jennifer is just getting hit with demon after demon. Cause she's in haunted as hell Savannah. Right. Mm. Um, but at the same time, she's dealing with early um, teen problems of, I have a learner's permit. I can't drive by myself. My sister has to drive me everywhere. Um, I can't get a hotel room I can't do a lot by myself but I'm kind of learning how to do things by myself and like (laughs) I really want to talk about that age because we see a lot of 17 year old YA like Mm. I'm just now coming into an adult we don't see a lot of that transition between middle grade and YA so there have been people saying you know what like if the parents are okay with some amount of like horror in it it always ends up being funny but some amount of horror in it this is a great middle grade reading up into y a but you're not quite ready for like sex and like real violence and where things are terrifying mm. uh, so it, I'm hoping for that to be the answer because I got that question a lot. Um, I was on panels for years at the horror track of Dragon con there's always a mother of a thirteen year old who would be like they 've read every goosebumps, and i don't want to give them the latest seventeen or because it's got sex in it or it's got too many adult themes in it. And I'm like, well, maybe this could be the answer for that. I'm hoping that that will be something you could give them. So like, for example, your daughter, that would be perfect for her. Exactly. Uh, because I really thought about, okay, what's the bar here? And I, how I determined that was Paul Zendel. Uh, years ago, my first horror book was Locke, which was about this, <laughs> Loch Ness Monster in Vermont eating everyone. But it was like a middle grade. Like, if you look at it now, it's a middle grade voice. It's not a teen voice, like upper teen. It's like a 13 to 15 year olds trying to solve mysteries. And he wrote one that was about the Great Barrier Reef, and there were things in the water, and they would find body parts, and, like, there were intestines and, um, like, propellers of boats. And it was just little stuff like that. But it was never full-on... We're watching it happen. It was always a hint or a severed head or like that amount. So in Jennifer like, What is Strange, that? Is that a kidney?
0: I don't know. I'm not old yeah, enough to know yeah, what a kidney is. Like, oh my God, like.
1: God, I found that on the ground. Oh my God. And that's as far as it goes. Armpits right? hanging
0: from trees!
1: Ah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. But you don't see it happen. So that's the line. And like in Jennifer, when the kid explodes, like she just, he's there one minute and the next she's covered in jello. Hmm. So armpits like are go literally into some... hanging from trees that's like right it's... that's right she finds a finger and is like oh i figured out where he went <laughs> so i tried to make it like where i'm not describing it in this excruciating detail mm-hmm. it was more to like yeah. oh you make the leap of what happened
2: perfect it was j-e-l-l yeah. oh no that's
1: right Holy that's shit. right <laughs>
0: oh shit! Yeah. J
2: e l l o. But I think
1: that
0: it, I think it's great that that's what you were going for, and that's what you know you've done with this book because I do think that you know as I as I was saying with my daughter, I think it is okay to give these kids a little bit more uh more horror than we do. I think you know. There are plenty of shows that are, that are on like Netflix or you know, Disney Plus or whatever, like, like the Goosebumps type stuff. And uh, it's, they're always, oh my God, they're always just so silly. You know, there's, there's never anything even remotely approaching what we're discussing here at all. And I think it's just, it is okay. It is okay to give them a little bit more. Um, I mean, you know, we don't need a tree raping scene, but like, you know, there's no, like, no, but,
1: absolutely I mean, not. There, there's, there's
0: a line. There's absolutely a line. We're not, you know, dealing with certain, certain things, but we can go a lot further than we do. Um, so I think that it's super awesome that you've done that with this and you're, you're trying to bridge that gap um, as a father of a kid who I know is going to love this book, um, for those exact reasons, I think it's really awesome. And I hope that people embrace it and realize that maybe their kids can handle a little bit more if they're interested in it, you know, if they're interested in that kind of stuff. Uh, and you know, cause I mean, she would, she devoured like all the goofy stuff, you know, uh, goosebumps, not so much, but like there was another R.L. Stein's show, R.L. Stein show that was on and it was like, I don't even remember what it was called. The Haunting Hour, I think. And she loved uh-huh. that. And um, and she loved there was like this. My babysitter's a vampire show. It's like anything that was sort of adjacent to horror that was on Netflix, kids. She watched, which is super oh, awesome yeah. because yeah, I did.
1: Those are great shows.
0: Like I didn't push her in that direction. That's just sort of like what her sense of her sensibilities sort of became on her own, which. You know, I love, you know, I'm as, as, as horror dad, I'm like, yay, this is the best. Um, I'd rather watch that than like Barbie or something. I don't know. Uh, I assume there's a Barbie thing. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, or whatever, but awesome, awesome stuff. If there was something, if there's a Jennifer Strange show, it's just a little bit more intense. It's like, oh yeah, then we can watch it together. That's going to be awesome.
1: Right. Right. Because like, I have a similar situation with my son, he has this high tolerance level and I was expecting at least one of my kids too, because my husband and I met over a mutual love of evil dead. So I was like, nice. our kids are doomed to be horror fans probably. <laughs> um, um, and my son's favorite movie is Poltergeist. <laughs> blessed. They're blessed. Yes. <laughs> They're horror blessed. I'm so happy. And my son loves Poltergeist. Like absolutely loves it. Um, wow. He won't watch the scene with the face peeling off. Mm -hmm. And we always wouldn't let him see it. Like, you're not going to see it. No. And then one day we were playing Animal Crossing and I made a joke about if you find a new artifact, it belongs in the museum. (laughs) And he's like, what's that mean, mom? I can tell you're quoting something. I was like, Indiana Jones. okay." we're going to watch Raiders of the Lost Star because we're all stuck in quarantine. And he watched the end of the movie with the faces melting. And I said, Tommy, you can handle that. You can handle the the face part of Poltergeist probably. And we tried watching it again, I think like last week and he just couldn't do it. He just covered his face and I'm like, totally fine. Cover your face because if you're not ready, you're not ready. And that's cool. And my daughter, she is not super into horror, but I did not expect this. She is into superheroes like crazy. She was stealing my comic books since she was two years old, like my Hellboy, uh, my Batman, my, like, Harley Quinn, she's obsessed with Harley Quinn, and she's, like, five. She's crazy about comic book superheroes and comic books, and I found out she really likes gothic, because she saw Corpse Bride and went, oh, this is my thing, and so we introduced her to what vampires are, and she went, oh, this is my thing, so I'm, like, yep, my son likes more, like, I would call it traditional horror where it's a a scary presence that they learn more about and they uncover the truth and then it's resolved somehow. And my daughter's more romantic. She likes the gothics and I'm like, okay, we can work with this. So she sits (laughs) through Poltergeist and she's like, oh, because she doesn't like the little girl getting taken. Yeah. And I said, don't worry. I'll punch that ghost in the face. She'll be fine. And she's like, okay, mommy.
2: <laughs>
0: so they were both completely fine with the clown?
1: Oh, no. They don't like the clown, but they weren't like terrified, like running, screaming. They were both like, oh, I just don't like that clown. And I'm like, I don't like that clown either. And when they see that I don't like it either, they're like, okay, yeah, it's just creepy. Yeah. Who buys yeah, their be- children clowns? Like, what? <laughs>
0: well, it's funny. Like I always had a big question mark over my head with this whole, like it's super popular. It's like the popular phobia. Like everybody hates clowns. When I was a kid, I'm like, I don't know. I, I liked clowns. I went to the circus. I, I remember the clowns like signed autographs after going to like Ringling Brothers and stuff. And I don't know that there were kids. They all were in line. I remember liking clowns. I don't know what the, at some point it became like the most popular thing to be afraid of. And uh, I swear to God, it, it, it like, it, there was like a light bulb went off at one point and the, the question mark turned into a light bulb and it was like, Oh, it's cause of freaking poltergeist. Like I guarantee poltergeist bro.
1: and it's probably like, both yeah, of them, I guess it, yeah, it came a little bit later, but yeah.
0: Oh my God. But that, that, that freaking clown doll is freaky as hell in that movie.
1: It is. My children are more bothered by the tree.
0: The tree is what scared me the most as a kid.
1: Yeah cuz my son just keeps going what is the tree doing? Like I don't understand. And that's what's making me freak out more because they understand a doll can be scary, but like the tree eating a kid is like Yeah. Wait, a tree could devour you? That like the unnatural part of that is what's unsettling.
0: It's like, "Oh no, sweetie. No, no. Like no, they can't." No,
1: they can't. They can't eat does. you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Although my my son tried to make an argument once. Because my friend in Georgia, when I used to live down there, had not seen Evil Dead. And I said, okay, for this friendship to continue, we must watch Evil Dead. So we're watching it. And my son was (laughs) like six at the time. And he snuck out of bed because he knew how much I love this movie. I have it all over the house, like all the stuff. So he's like, I want to see it. And he came down at the part where the body's decomposing at the end of the first movie and it's all (laughs) cottage cheese.
0: (laughs) And he saw it
1: and I was like, Oh no, I'm the worst mother in the world. And I'm like, Tommy, go back to bed, you know? And he said like, but mom, I'm fine. It's just jello. And I'm like, okay, okay. He understands that this is all like props and so I show them Bruce's book about like all the scars on his face, like how they um, did all the props and everything. And he's very uh, architect, like mechanical engineer. So he's like, "Oh, this is how they dissected it and how they did it." Oh, I'm not afraid now. Like, nice. That's how he picks apart movies. Is oh, that's not real. Right. And that's how I was as a kid. So I'm like, okay, I can work with that.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I- it's
1: fun having children into this stuff too, and you I can kind of introduce them to things slowly and as is appropriate because like I completely respect if people read Jennifer Strange and they're like, I don't know if I want to give this to my kids or I don't know if this is for me. And I'm like, as a former bookseller, I used to sell books for teen readers and do summer reading. And I would always say to parents, like, it's your job as a parent to decide that. Like if you decide my book's not for your kid, that's totally fine. Like total respect to you. But if you have a kid who's like, I want to read horror but I don't want the more adult stuff in it. I even took out all the swearing, so it'd be even, like, so that middle graders could read up into it. Um, Then we have a a conversation, like, this is what amount is in it, but it's always kind of not completely shown. It's, like, off screen a bit. I never go into huge detail. And a lot of the time, the kid has fun with it because it feels like, oh, I'm getting to do that kind of, like, that side of horror but not too far Mm -hmm. and i always like to pull it back enough that it still stays in the lane Um, yeah
0: yeah it's an entry hopefully uh, you know i hope i hope more parents uh do give it a shot and do say well i'm not sure but let's give it a shot because i think that's what needs to happen i think that's really really cool i know for a fact that's the case personally but Uh, with my daughter but you know there's there's got to be lots of other kids that would would devour this stuff and uh you know if they want to read it first and make sure that it's it's you know uh, up to their values or whatever and that's great but give it a shot if you're thinking like you know maybe maybe not just you know respect your kids um you know that it's you know no nobody was ever scarred by one book like you know i mean i say that but I mean, Jack Ketchum was a thing, but... um, Right, right. um,
1: (laughs) That's so interesting because like, when I was a kid and when you all were, I'm sure there was no teen section. There was just read up into Stephen King. And now there are stair steps. Like a lot of YA horror authors, like a lot of women I know are trying to make those stair steps um, to the Stephen King level and the Jack Ketchum level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so great because it's almost like we're trying to send the ladder back down to the next generation. Um, but do something that's appropriate at their level. Like, I was such a big fan of Don Bluth. I wanted to be an animator as a kid. And he did some like very scary stuff. And, I mean,
0: the, the, gr- oh, the, the Great Owl and Nim is like the best sequence ever animated.
1: It is. It is.
0: Duke the Daring oh. from uh, Dragon's Lair. That's right.
1: Yes. Yes. And dragon slayer. Like I loved his stuff, but there's some stuff you can get away with in books and make it kind of off screen versus doing something visual. Like it's on screen. Like they can't unsee it. But with Mm. books, I feel like, you know, you can leave it up to your interpretation. Usually like if the author's like good at showing just enough, your imagination does the rest anyway.
0: I think every, every good book, um, I always, I always feel this way. This is definitely how I write. I always try to make sure that uh, the 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 audience, the reader, can can meet me part way. It doesn't have to be halfway all the time, but it's got to be part way, because if you're over explaining everything to the ninth degree, you know it's like okay, there's nothing for them to even think about. You're literally just blurting it all down, drowning them in exposition you need to get them hooked you need to get them interested and in invested in whatever it is you're talking about um things need to be described things need to be visual but my god you have to get that to that point where the reader is meeting you partway um and then they're they're like all in if you can do that they are all all in they are in to win They're going to read your next book. They're going to read the rest of your series um, because it's a partnership at that point. There's plenty of things that I've read that are just forgettable. And I always like, you know, for a long time, I'm like, why, why do I feel that this is, this book is meh? Why? Why exactly? It's, it's things that I like. Um, What is it about it? And I think that uh, it's, it's after, you know, After some consideration, it's like, well, I think it's because it's not asking anything of me. Like, it's not, I'm not engaged on that level. I'm just sort of a participant, I'm I'm not a participant, I'm just a leaf on the breeze, I'm just sort of like watching it unfold. But there's plenty of things, especially where it's books, so it's not a visual medium. Well, I mean, yours is a visual medium, but most most aren't, most novels. Uh, You need that. I think, in my opinion, I think that's the most important thing um, as an author.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you have to let their imagination do some of the work. Yep. And like so far I've gotten a lot of early reviews and quite a few of them were parents and they all came back and said the same thing. It was the the scares were fine. The horror was fine. Even the gore was fine. They didn't like the amount of swearing. So I heard that a couple of times and I went, you know what? I think I'm going to take it out. I'm going to take out the swear words because I did my job at the horror side, but the swear words were too hard. So I toned it down completely. Like I just eliminated all of it. Um, So that way it would be more accessible and they would feel more comfortable because I, I really do believe like it can be hard to hear those early reviews, especially like, you know, when they're finding flaws in it or they aren't connecting or it's just not for them. It can be hard. But if you hear something and Todd Kiesling of Devil's Creek is the one that gave me this advice. Cause I, I called him and I was like, I'm getting bad reviews, but they weren't the ones I was expecting. They all thought it was a comic book. Like they all thought it was a comic and it turned out to be a novel and they didn't know what to do with it. But the other parts of it were, you know, if this had less swearing, I'd love to give this to my teenager. I'd love to give this to my 12 year old or my 16 year old. And I went, huh, that's something I can change and I have time to do before the book comes out. So I did it.
0: Wow. That's really cool. I mean, yeah. They I mean that's part of the the whole vet vetting process, right? These uh these early readers, but you actually, they, they really shaped that, uh, that decision. I mean, the book is a hundred percent different. That, that really is like a whole other level when you're worried about the swearing. And I, I do, I do also kind of find that as a parent, it's not that I don't swear around my kid ever, but I mean, like, I don't know if, if there's a movie or something that we're going to watch there are certain things that, like you know if there's a tree raping scene that's out okay. right no but not watching if that, it's yeah. like constant <laughs> f-bombs like I, I don't know if that's that was the case i'm sure it wasn't no but, no it wasn't but, i
1: had like three in the whole book
0: okay but, but still, three like, was
1: too many so yeah and you kept hearing it
0: over and over and now that's i did cause that's that's such an easy fix just take out three words and you're done and now uh, nobody has those reservations. That's that's pretty cool. I'm glad you. Yeah, did. I had a
1: lot more s words, <laughs> so I just changed it to crap or damn it or like mm-hmm. little swears, baby swears.
0: Oh, poopy doop.
1: Oh no, not quite, <laughs> not quite baby talk. I always think of those swears as baby talk. I'm like ah, I'm not doing that. Well.
2: Fool! Dung eating <laughs> fool.
1: Like, oh, we're going to go for – it was funny. I was trying to go for the amount of swearing I did as a teenager when my parents weren't around. Gotcha. But you're right. Like, when you're actually reading it, it's different. And so I went – to me, this sounds like real feedback. I think that it's important to listen to early reviews. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because in video games, um, I was talking with my boss, who's the head writer – and she's like, you're lu-. She gave me complete perspective on it. My boss, Amanda, she was like, you're lucky because you have three months to do something about it if you want to. Right. And when you put out a video game, you can't change it. It's already done. You can't change if it's put in the wrong category. You can't change if it, the pitch isn't right. Cause I adjusted the pitch. I took out the swearing. Um, and I added a brief kiss scene. Like that's all I really did, apart from clean up the text. Because uh, that's the other thing about this book. It's queer. Yeah. Jennifer's bisexual. So that's a part that people weren't getting. I was like, oh, I have a, I can, I have some time. I can add that in a little bit so people understand that she's queer in the first book. So that in the I second didn't book... didn't spell this there, out
0: enough for you. Fine.
1: I didn't. I didn't <laughs> like. You, you see her attraction to another character, but yep. nothing really happens. So I have it initiated by the other character uh, very quickly. And then all of it gets ripped away from Jennifer. I'm not going to say how, but it gets ripped away. Mm. And book two is her trying to resolve that.
0: You got to read the um, book. Get you
1: rid read of the, the book. book. Get rid of the book. That's
0: right. So, the book in your eyeballs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like there are little things. I was like, you know what? She's right. Like I'm lucky. I can do something about right. pitch. That's easy. I can fix that. Take out the swearing. That's easy. Little stuff like that. Why not listen? You know, right. why not listen exactly. to the feedback?
0: I mean, some people, you know, the, the, this thing they created is so precious that they, they just get insulted every time. You know, it's like, well, you're missing a, a big part of this whole process. <laughs> like, you know, you, you definitely don't necessarily know best on everything. You're too close to a thing. And uh, it's always great when somebody can take, you know, that constructive criticism. Uh, Something that uh, just popped in my mind when you're talking about, we're talking about the swearing. Uh, This actually reminds me of not necessarily an experience I had with books, but uh, actually on, uh, on the show, we just put out an episode last week that was on classic Japanese animation. Like Uh old anime from the 80s and 90s. And, uh, yeah. And, and you know, it's really funny because, uh, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff was intensely gory. Like sometimes, like, just absolutely ridiculously gory. And, um, and I'm not just talking about, like, Akira. I mean, like, like more obscure stuff or whatever. And I could see any amount of gore. Like it, it it would, I, I had no, no threshold whatsoever. But, It would always kind of irk me when they started dropping F-bombs.
1: Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what they were
0: saying. And rightfully so. Yeah, it just sort of took me out of it. And it just felt like you're doing this to be edgy. And it's like, you are edgy enough. All this stuff that I'm looking at, like, you know... you know one or two here and there but and obviously you only had three so it wasn't a lot but um, but honestly I in in my opinion (laughs) it's great it's it's great to use as like you know just just a very just little bit of pepper in there Um, maybe one if you have like maybe one or something or maybe two like it just it has more impact and the perfect example is in Army Darkness my favorite line in the entire movie is the 1F bomb
2: yeah. There is one yes. F-bomb. Yeah, great. Yeah. Get the fuck out of my face.
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the only F-bomb. Now, that movie could have could have literally swore, like, like, fuck this, fuck that, like, the entire time. It could have easily done that. Certainly, if Judd Apatow had done it instead of Sam Raimi, that's what it would have been. And it's like, <laughs> I, it would not have enhanced it for me at all. It doesn't need it. So I think that people who write too many swears, tend to not understand what's great about swearing.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. And so it's a really interesting thing to try and balance. And then, you know, I wrote it the way I thought a teen would speak. And the way I spoke as a teen, the way I've heard teens speak now, you know, but reading it is still different, right? Like it's completely different than just hanging out with your friends and you're swearing and whatever. And I went, okay, It's the same book without it. I'm going to remove it. I'm going to get rid of any, like there's already enough barriers to get teenagers to read, to get middle schoolers to read. I'm not going to add one more, you know? Right. Um, And I really believe in feedback. And maybe that's because like I came from screenwriting and I'm used to writing in groups. And so nothing is really precious in your own. You can stand up if you believe, no, I think the script should do this and you should. You should you should always stand up for what you believe in about your book, but, or your script. But I came from collaboration where everything was collaborative. I used to write scripts for commercials for Cartoon Network, and it was all collaborative. I was working with the animators, um, the director, the creative directors, and then the producers, and it was always a bunch of people. And so book writing was completely foreign to me because I'm like, where's everybody? it's just just me now Um, it's just you and the voices it's just me and the voices and my
2: yeah you got to find that balance between like just looking at the bigger picture and or just digging digging your heels in but at the the detriment of your own work
1: right and it becomes kind of a weird okay well how do i fix this because i don't have other like hands in this with me um and luckily i have found good friends that are great creative um, critique partners my husband's one of them he say he used to be a stand up comedian um, and he's hopefully going to get back he sits- into the boston scene which yeah, is down. yes <laughs> so he helps me too
0: Now he's a sit down comedian was, he's a
1: sit down comedian yes, no yes. no he's never he never sits down he's always okay. running around <laughs>
0: sometimes it's hard like with zoom like voices cut out other yeah. voices um yeah, leave, leave the company to your husband <laughs> clearly <laughs> clearly I'm not, I'm not hacking it i'm <laughs> hacking it just, just not in a good way
1: <laughs> keep
0: trying though keep uh, trying keep uh, trying um so we are already at about an hour and a half with this interview so um Do you you want to say anything like uh, a little bit more on, on Jennifer or do you want to get into some evil dead? What what say you cat?
1: Well, I can say that tomorrow's a very big day. Um, At the point that this airs, it will already be live. So, but I believe that the contest will still be going on. I have had the really good fortune of having a lot of commission swag for this book. Like for example, I have my own nail polish for Jennifer Strange. So cool. I have my own perfume. I have my own lip gloss. I have <laughs> bookmarks of Jennifer and Liz front and back. And the nail polish pack, like all of the, the beauty pack, is over at Fan Service Nails. And she's taking pre-orders right now. And she will be when this airs still. And the bookmarks are over at A Stranger Dream. And Carly does amazing horror bookmarks of every media you can think of. She even does authors. Like she has one of Stephen King that's really cool and Creech and Jaws. And um, she does beautiful bookmarks and she's doing pre-orders for that as well. But starting tomorrow on June 30th, there's going to be a massive giveaway of all the swag I've made for this book. So it's got Jacob's journal that that Jennifer's given in the book. It's got Marcus's protection patch. Uh, Marcus wears basically a battle jacket with all of these patches to protect him from ghosts and demons. And I came up with my own demonic symbology for the book because I didn't want to borrow from any culture or from anything. I just wanted to do my own thing. So I designed my own sigils that repel demons or summon demons. Mm. And he has one on his jacket. You can see in one of the um, art panels in the book. And I had that physically made.
0: So cool. And
1: the logo for his family's antique shop, because he's one of the Blackwell ghost hunters who also runs a cleansing haunted antique side business. So they acquire antiques, they purge them of the hauntings, and then they collect on the money for both things. And that's how they sustain their business. Um, so there's a little bit of the Warren's in there too. Um, and I had his shop like enamel pin made and it says like, welcome to the Blackwell family. We're proud to offer you the position of demon hunter. Wear this pin as you procure artifacts in need of spiritual cleansing.
0: Oh man. So you becoming sw-
1: part of the family when you wear it.
0: So cool. Tie- you get, man, you got, you got so many ducks in a row. Oh, my God, you got tying swag for days.
1: I do. I do. I love, I love it. And I learned how to make enamel pins for this book. I made everything, like, apart from the nail polish and the bookmarks. I, I did all the art prints that are part of it. There's going to be tarot cards that are part of the pre-order I, swag. Oh, wow. So if you pre-order the book, as until supplies run out, I have uh, three prints that are signed of the Banshee, Poltergeist, and Wraith.
0: Mm-hmm. Which you
1: can see online on my website, um, just on the Press Kit page. I have the patch that Marcus wears to protect you from demons. And I have the Welcome to the Blackwell Family um, enamel pen. But there's also tarot cards I'm having printed that are in the book. Miriam Blackwell, who's the head of the family and runs the antique business, does a reading mm-hmm. for Jennifer and Liz. And she draws two cards and says, this is who you are, and this is what your problem is. But they specifically did not pick the major arcana. Like, I didn't do the high priestess or the hanged man, because I've seen those over and over again, right? Um, so Jennifer is the knight of swords, because she's fiery, and she, that temper is always getting in her way. And then Liz is the knight of cups. She's very emotional, and she kind of white nights all the time with her emotions trying to protect her sister. So that's going to be a part of it too. Uh, and I'm very excited because all of this is going to be given away tomorrow on YA Book Central. And I think it's going to run for like a couple weeks. And then after that, I'm go- they're going to tell me who the winner is. Uh, there's two giveaways. One's on Instagram, one's on the blog. And they'll let me know the winners of both. Uh, uh, but there's six chances to win one of the prize packs.
0: And uh, just to be clear, so we're recording this on the 29th, but the episode is going to air on the 7th of July. So is, is that stuff all going to still be going on or is that going to be over? Yes. By
1: then? And the pre-order, um, if you've pre-ordered the book, that's separate. Mm-hmm. That's through me instead of why book central. So you send your receipt to Jennifer strange pre-orders, plural at gmail.com. Um, and when I have your receipt, I will send you the the swag pack that you've won for pre-ordering and helping support my book until I run out of supplies, basically.
0: Uh, Super cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. Like, I I got together with my friends that I knew did this stuff. Like, I'm friends with Fan Service Nails who did all the nail polish and everything. That, you have to go to her website and purchase because she's an artist who should be supported. like, buy her stuff. And it takes a lot of ingredients and bottles to make all of that. Um, But all the other stuff is printed by me and Geekify. So Geekify is a company that works for my video game studio that does all their swag and Ah. worked on Perception, which is a haunted house game where you play as a blind protagonist going through the house and there's a presence hunting you. And you have to go through time like you're going through time in this house as it goes back and further and further, and you see the whole history of this house and who all lived there. It's an incredible game. I'm really excited to be working on their next title with them because um, the, their first game was amazing, and these are all veterans who did Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite and SWAT 4 and Mist. And um, I'm working with them now on the next game we're announcing soon. So and this is
2: uh, the Deep End.
1: This is the deep end games and okay. they are out of Boston.
0: Okay. Very cool. You know, you, you like you just rattling off all the things you've done casually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: th- I think you may be the coolest person I know. Kat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying for sure, but for sure, but maybe, maybe, maybe like <laughs> top five, top 10, maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe top three. I don't know. We'll, top three. We'll I just, like that. Just,
0: you know what? You know what, Kat? Always wonder. Yeah, exactly. uh, You know, I got to keep yeah.
1: fighting for that spot.
0: That's right, I yeah. keep Cat, staying Cat's, cool. Yeah,
2: Cat's listening to <laughs> all of our accomplishments. Hey, boss rush mode! what have you done? Well, yesterday I beat Bionic Commando and Double Dragon 2. It's still awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what my life actually looks like. It's mostly deadlines, and then I play video games. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm crossing some animals.
0: Yeah. Very, yeah. <laughs> very cool. So the best place to pre-order, I know that um, they can pre-order on Amazon, but you want them to go to your site, right?
1: Um, Actually, so you can pre-order off of Haverhill House Publishing's website. You can pre-order off of IndieBound, which hooks you up with any of your local bookstores. And we should be supporting local Uh, right now, especially because we don't want their doors to close from the virus. And I've been directing everybody to Copper Dog Books, which is here in Massachusetts, and I want to make sure their doors don't close. So I've been saying, hey, go pre-order with them. But my other favorite bookstores are Malaprops out of Asheville. That was my local bookstore when I went to college. And Little Shop of Stories in uh, Georgia I used to go there all the time. I love them. I'm doing an event on my release day with them. So that's a, those are good places to find me. And I have a launch party. I announced this today, like who some of my special guests are. I haven't announced all the guests yet. But on the Saturday after my book comes out, which I think is the 25th, at 2 p.m., we're going to do an event. And two of my guests that are announced are Amy Lukovic's who wrote my favorite young adult horror daughters on the devils and Jennifer McMahon who did the winter people and both of them loved my book and blurbed my book. And I couldn't believe it because these are like two of my heroes and they blurbed it and loved it. And I was like, wow, I'm totally starstruck to be doing this event with them for my book launch. But yeah, check out, like watch my space for details. Um, I'm the same handle across the internet, Cat M Scully, uh, Cat C A T M, um, and then Scully, as in Dana Scully from The X Files. So you can follow me on Instagram. And that's your whatever. actual name.
0: It's that not like you're trying to be clever. Yeah. Name.
1: Yeah, my main name is Connor. So I went from <laughs> the Terminator to X Files.
0: <laughs> Whether or not that was an upgrade or a downgrade is uh, is subjective.
1: No, it was an upgrade. It was total upgrade.
0: Total upgrade. Mm.
1: Oh my gosh! Yes, I love. I'm so excited because so many people are like, "Oh, that name's perfect. It's so perfect." Everyone asks me if it's a pen name. I'm like, no, that's just my name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just, I'm just blessed. Has my that- name is just amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just Don't. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't apologize. It, never apologize so for rad. being amazing. You earned it. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> right. You earned it. You uh, you married Mike.
1: I did. I married Mike, yeah. and Mike. So I mentioned the, uh, earlier the famous,
0: uh, <laughs> the famous Boston area sit down comedian.
1: He is. He's the famous comedian. <laughs> and he stole me away from my boyfriend at the time.
0: Well, like, scandalous. I wasn't anticipating Ooh. the interview going here. My goodness.
1: Yes. Yeah, so you want well, to yeah. know how we met and how it was about Evil Dead? We'll talk Please. about that.
0: I mean, that would be a hell of a segue. So, that would yeah, be. We'll have the, the story of how
2: the, the map scallion was stolen by the rat scallion. Oh.
1: That's, right, that's right. So I was at Barnes and Noble in Georgia, where I used to live, and I was with my boyfriend and I went off to go get our book and he went off to look at comics and I went over to get my book. I came back and he's talking with this guy, Mike. He's talking with Michael. And they were talking about Green Lantern and Batman and Jeff Johns. And I was sitting there feeling like the third wheel because this guy didn't know. I knew my, like, I knew my stuff about Batman. And I knew about Jeff Johns. I knew about Green Lantern. I know all that. Yep. So I just butt in there like, hey, I have opinions too. And so I was talking and talking. And Michael's eyes just got really wide. like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i didn't know this existed and then <laughs> and then we're right next to it was like the comics were on one side and the, the horror section was on the other it was perfect so i was just talking about like oh what else do you like oh yeah you know like making friends and i said oh yeah i love horror i love like ginger snaps i love army darkness evil dead um i love um dog soldiers i love all the like
2: Yes, Dog Soldiers. Best. I love. Oh my god, this is right, my Dog favorite. Soldiers is amazing. Yeah, it's
1: amazing writing. It's an amazing movie. It's my favorite werewolf movie. Anyway, Boss so, Rush.
0: But wait, wait, real quick, Boss Rush. Give me your ahead. favorite quote from Dog Soldiers. Wrote right? Yes. I, oh please. I hope I give you the shit, you fucking wimp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like the old Nick story about you know that tattoo that was like Satan was going to save his skin. Ah, oh, that's such good screenwriting. Ah, oh, I aspire yeah. to be that good. It was, ah, oh, ah, oh. I could go on and on about dog soldiers. Yeah. But we got, he got hooked on the whole, like, the part where I said Evil Dead, an army of darkness, because that was, he's like, oh, I was reading Bruce Campbell's book. It's on my nightstand. And I said, it's on my nightstand, too. And it was one of those, oh, no. moments. <laughs> <laughs> And we exchanged numbers and he asked if we could, he could invite me over to his place so we could watch Army of Darkness and he accidentally lit his food on fire. He was so nervous to have me over at his place. Uh, yeah, so he actually invited his brother on our first day because he was so worried he was going to pull a move on me and I was still sort of seeing my boyfriend. But We were kind of breaking up at that point. It was very ooey what the you're, situation you're, was.
0: You're making him sound very smooth.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's super smooth. So <laughs> so we ended up together because of Evil Dead. Like,
0: That's amazing.
1: And when we, we met Bruce Campbell together and There's a photo, it's on my Facebook profile, where Bruce pulls me in really close and is pushing my husband away with these giant (laughs) bare hands. And Michael's like, this is the greatest photo. This is like, you know, how we got together. And it was wonderful meeting him. And it was so much fun.
0: Was that from last year or was this years ago?
1: So I've met Bruce twice.
0: I've met Bruce. Yeah, I met Bruce on his first book tour. He came around. And I actually really was gonna meet him when he came to uh rock and shock a local convention up here um last october and um i i couldn't get away from the booth that i was working at at all it was just it was just a good oh, weekend
1: no. it was just yeah. a good weekend
0: but luckily i have a, a wonderful wife and uh, daughter who was she was so adorable and so they both got in line i'm like i'm really sorry can you can you please just can you meet him and have the sign for me? Cause I had this awesome piece of swag. I was like dying to have him sign. Um, from when I met, uh, Don Coscarelli, uh, last June, he was up here and I love Bubba Hotep. I love Bubba Hotep.
1: Oh yeah. So no I, question.
0: I love Don Coscarelli and, and so like, you know, I had this great conversation with him and, um, I actually gifted gifted him a, a copy of my book, which I've never done to anyone famous because I think it's weird and pretentious and and weird. And I, I just did it. I'm like, I don't I don't I I don't know. I'm just gonna be weird. I, I don't care. I'll just just be weird this one time. And uh he was super nice and and uh and he's like, Oh, and I said, Oh, you know, I, I really would love to get something signed. Do you have anything uh that's Bubba? And he's like, Oh, uh, he actually <laughs> didn't have a lot of Bubba stuff. It was all about Phantasm because the whole tour it had like everybody from Phantasm, like everybody. Um, and so like he's like, you know what? I think I might. And he 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 had to like dig through his his suitcase, and he's like, actually, I have this. And it was like this weird double sided like Japanese like flyer card. It's on cardstock, and uh, cool. it's just such a cool piece. It's just different. And, um, yeah, that's so
1: unique.
0: Yeah, and so he signed that, and then I'm like, "All right, well, you know, Bruce is coming. You know, I, you know, in 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 October, I got to have him sign this. So I just really, really needed it signed. I'm like, oh, okay. And my wife was like, sure, you know, she was she was totally fine. You know, no problem. And um, and so it turns out they let them skip the line because she had she had my daughter with them, and so everybody else was like, literally just giving him daggers. As they, they walked them up. But, and I had no idea. We had no idea that that was going to happen. Um, but she skipped right to the front. And um, and I don't know. I guess he said some sarcastic thing. And she's like, oh, can you make it out to Steve? And he's like, who the hell is Steve? Why isn't he here? And she's like, oh, Booth. I don't know. And he's like, ah, you know, and, you know, gave some, <laughs> some awesome thing that I wish had been filmed, I'm sure. And uh, but, you know, I, I, I do have the signature. Thanks to my awesome wife and uh, awesome dog. Nice. That That's awesome. amazing. But I, so I didn't. I to meet him that day. But yeah, I got. I got.
2: I got to mention like the question I got to ask him the one time I got to meet him at that that same book signing that you first saw him at. Yep. Um, yeah, we were both there. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was, um, taking like audience questions, and this he even prefaced this last one like, all right, this is gonna be like uh, the last question, so make it super important, like you know, like whatever, and you know, raise my hand, and he happened to pick on me for the super important last question, and my question was. How long did you have to work out in order to get so buff for the painting of the Army of Darkness cover? <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, wise ass." Well, first of all, and then he just explains how like the whole process of the like the, the thing getting painted and all that, you know, being commissioned and shit. Uh, and that got uh, to be my my interaction with Bruce Campbell,
0: uh, which is perfect because it was a wise ass remark that there was no real answer to. It's like it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, so. Annoying.
1: I had a lot of fun meeting him because. It was a really weird experience, not for the reason you think. I am not at all nervous meeting anyone anymore because Neil Gaiman broke me. Wow. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Because, so to preface this with a very short story, very quick, I was standing in line for Neil Gaiman's event and somebody came by and said, does anyone know the area? Are you from Atlanta? And I was like, yeah, I was born here. said do you know where a laundromat is so i'm like yeah sure it's over there and she said okay come with me and next thing i know i'm on neil gaiman's tour bus and he they wanted me to wash his darks (laughs) so i washed Uh, the man's shirts i dried and folded the man's shirts and then i got to meet him for the first time was like hey I've washed your clothes. And
0: you're like, hey, I'm and the You're the, the reason I'm in this
1: business. I want to be an author. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, I've not been nervous about meeting everybody because everybody's got to have their darks washed, right? That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I met Bruce, uh, it was hard and awkward because we didn't know the process at Walker Stalker Con. Like, The Walking Dead is really big in Atlanta. We had the huge Walker Stalker Con to celebrate The Walking Dead, and Asterisk's mm-hmm. Evil Dead was in town as part of that. Uh, cause they, the uh, show was out at the time and we got there late cause trying to figure out babysitters and finally got downtown, ran all the way there. They were just taking our group, but you had to get through two lines of passes. And so I'm standing there holding our place while my husband's going through the other two lines so that we don't miss our photo opportunity with mm-hmm. Bruce. And it gets to me, I'm the last person in line And Bruce is standing there and I'm standing there. We're both like, well, we're here. And he's like, we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, I'm not doing it without my husband. That will tell you how much I love my husband. Cause I didn't get a photo with Bruce. He's like, I'm not doing it till my husband's here with our ticket. And they were really kind. Like he was so nice. He went, okay, we could just put you in a later group. If your husband's not here to take the photo. Um, He was really nice to me. And then we went up later. We stood in a really long line to get signed And I had brought my poster from home, uh, like the original Evil Dead poster. And it was like everyone was like going up to him and geeking out, right? But I've been broken. So I just went up and I'm like totally chill. Do you think you want me to do your or anything? Right, (laughs) right. Like, do you need some laundry wash? Like, whatever. And he looked at us like, are you all professionals? here he said so are you enjoying the convention what are you doing here he couldn't figure it out but he he's really smart so he's like there's something off like you know what what's up with this picture and then tom savini walks up yeah behind him to say hi to bruce and michael and i both go hey tom like we're old friends and tom's looking at bruce and bruce and like tom are looking at us like where do we know you from and Like, so what are you going to do next? I'm like, oh, there's Ted Raimi over there. We are going to see Ted Raimi. But he had no line. I was like, why does he have no lines? Ted Raimi. So we went over and said, oh yeah, we're going to go see him next. And they're both still trying to puzzle out. Like, (laughs) where are you in the horror industry? And I'm like, yeah, I'm in the industry, but like the author side of things and talked to him about that. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. And signed our stuff and sent us on our way and Went and saw Ted Brady and told him we loved him in Twin Peaks and he looked shocked. So <laughs> it was a really fun time. And the second time I saw him was Rock and Shock. I think I remember seeing you there. Like I think you were you were trapped at the booth, right? You and, it you was and I passed,
0: <laughs> You and I literally passed each other uh, in the hall for one second, and I was like, "Hey, it's Cat Skelly," and she, you're like, "Hey, uh, b- bye." And like, <laughs> it was, yeah, that was a crazy weekend. Uh, it was, was a crazy was, weekend. Yeah. It was like
1: just, we yeah. chips in the night yeah. and I went and saw him there and we ended up just ragging on each other. But like, he obviously didn't remember any signs from a million fans. So when I went up there, I said, yeah, I wanted to buy your book. I wanted to support you. Mm-hmm. I bought his book right there at his table, the new mm-hmm. edition. And he was so happy. Like, he was like, oh, yay, supporting me as an author. And I'm like, I understand. I'm also an author. I know what this means. And so he drew, like, all these pictures on my cover and on the inside and, oh, like, was making best. it super fancy. And that's he said, best. you know, you can also get this e-book and make the pictures real big. And I'm like, I know how that works. <laughs> oh, we were just having a good time. And um, he didn't want any pictures, right? So when we got to the Q&A, I went there early. And I sat in the second row because I'm like, I'm getting there when the other panel's there and I'm going to sit in my seat and not move. So I'm in the front and it filled up very quickly. And Bruce comes out on the stage and he's like walking back and forth, waving everybody. And I'm sitting there trying to take a picture. And he stopped for my camera. And he just like leans down and looks at me through my camera. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. thank you. He like posed
0: for me. <laughs> what a guy.
1: He was so funny. And it, awesome.
2: Give me some shudder, baby.
1: Give me some Shudder, baby. And that was exactly what happened. I was like, this made my life. Oh, my God. This is great. So, yeah, my experiences with celebrities have now been very different because I just don't – I know they all wash their clothes just like I do. Mm -hmm. They all go Mm -hmm. home to dirty laundry. So I just don't ever get, like, weird around anybody anymore. Like, oh, my God, starstruck. I don't know that there's anyone I meet now that I'd be, like, falling all over myself because – Neil Gaiman was that
0: person for me. Right. So you see bro- I, your yeah. I do have like the the occasional person. So uh I mean I would say that I I have a similar sort of um attitude. Not because I met anybody that broke me that is as awesome as Neil Gaiman needing. I mean that's that's like the funniest awesome story. Um, you did Neil Gaiman's laundry. Um but I don't know. They, they, you know it's they're just people and you know, I think uh from working the con side of things, it just it just sort of I don't know, demystifies it a little bit and you start to see people like just walking around and at the same restaurants you go to afterwards and stuff and uh and everything. But there there there's like a few people that I find myself like I, I'm stuttering and I'm being stupid and I can't I can't help it. Like every once in a while. When I met Ray Wise, I was a little bit weird and like <laughs> I felt myself doing it, but I just really like Ray Wise, all right? And he's- Awesome,
1: Ray Wise and, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, like
0: like I love him, and uh, I love him in, like from so many things, not just not, not just tw- Twin Peaks, everything was Twin Peaks there, and like so I, I wanted to talk to, to talk to him about Reaper, and that was like a show that was on for just a couple seasons, like ten years ago, whatever, and he was the devil, he was so amazing. In this oh room. my
1: god, he'd make a good devil. Oh my god, oh. he was the
0: best. The show Reaper, oh, yeah. if you've never seen it, track it down. It's got I Tyler know. Labine from uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, isn't it? <gasps>
1: No way
0: it's so good it's like super super good and he's like my favorite devil to this day ever and so I I you know <clears throat> I'm, I'm talking to him about this with uh, with with my with my brother who is a big fan and he's also one of our uh, one of our hosts here on retro octopus uh, and and so uh, we go over and we're like yeah just Reaper like everything's twin Peaks like Sherlon Finn's like right there and and we're like, no, we just don't want to talk about Reaper. And he's like, that is one of my favorite things I've ever done, and uh, that, and we had this whole great, amazing, ridiculously warm, uh, ridiculously personable conversation about Twin Peaks and about, uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, about Reaper and about how he is actively, apparently, trying to get a Reaper remade, like a remake going. And it's like. Oh my God, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, no, no, I'm in constant contact with the other cast members and producers. And he's like, I've actively been trying to get it remade for about three years now. Everybody's on board. He's like, I think we can get it. You know, we've talked to Netflix about it. He's like, I really want to play the devil again. So... I think the best, even though I was a little bit, you know, a little bit nervous in that case, I think the best uh, interactions you can ever have with a celebrity is if you, you know, talk to them about something that's not the main thing that they constantly hear everything about. So for you and Bruce to start talking about just the art of writing books and publishing and he asked you all those questions and stuff, like that is refreshing to him. So you guys had a super great interaction. And I've been with people who, who have said after the fact, they're like, How can you be so natural about, you know, not freaking out? And it's like, I don't know, just everybody's a person, but also realize that they're talking to like a million people at these things. And this is not their only show a year. And if all you're talking about is the one thing, uh, hey, I really liked you. Hey, guy from uh, American Werewolf in London. I really liked you in American Werewolf in London. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know, and I mean? they have
1: that far-off stare, like
0: yeah. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. Thanks. Do uh, you want to buy some? But like, it, this is actually in uh, Bruce's uh, third book, uh, which is what "Hail to the Chin." I think "Hail to the Chin."
1: Uh, isn't it like Confessions of a B Movie Actor? That's the second or, one. It's the, that's the, the second, second one. one. Yeah, because so he just put out the new one.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's "Hail to the Chin." The first one is uh, If Chins Could Kill. I think the third one's Hail to the Chin. And the That's second right, yes. one is very different. It's, it's more of a fiction piece. These are more like, you know, the first half of his life in biography form, the second half of his life sort of whatever. But, uh, but in that one, he actually talks about this great interaction he had with Shatner yes, how,
1: he did. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and he says like, you know, everybody's going to talk to him about Star Trek and obviously in t- TJ Hooker and whatever, but he, he, uh, he brings up, well, so he did bring up TJ Hooker. He's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up this thing. I bet he's no, ne- no one has ever, ever brought this up. And he's like, okay. Cause this is Bruce being a geek. Like this is Bruce <laughs> being nervous to meet somebody who's a celebrity to him. And it's like, William Shatner. And so they were behind, they were at some event that was, they were together at the event, but you know, William Shatner doesn't know who Bruce Campbell is or whatever. And so they're like, he's like, all right, you know what I I loved? I loved in TJ Hooker when every time you would pull up anywhere in your car, you do this like slide with your car and then you just get out and it wasn't a stunt man. It was clearly you. And like, how did you do that? How did you do that? How did you, how did you convince the stunt people to let you do that was you, right? It was you. And, and, and Shatner was like floored that, anybody noticed this and clearly bruce was right he does not get this ever and he's like no you're right i did do that i was super proud of that i've never gotten asked about that and so they (laughs) talked about it and he's like oh this is what you do and you know you kind of you know they had this whole conversation and ash and uh, i mean bruce was like hell-bent to work that into ash vs evil dead the show so in the first episode when he you know the episode starts and he's like getting ready for his night on you know night at the bar he's he's going to go like bang that chick at the at the bar and he's like tightening his girdle and stuff and he's here listening to like you know space trucking on the radio and then he pulls yes, up and he I does loved this it. he does this TJ Hooker slide with his car and then he just gets out and he literally was able to do that because he had that conversation with Shatner
1: yes and then he like this connection like i do
0: yes and then he like had the conversation with the some people like no i i I really feel confident i really feel like i can do this and they went through it a few times they're like all right let's try let's do it but it is in the show and it's only in the show because he had that 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 random interaction with shatner and he didn't ask him about (laughs) star trek
1: yes i wish more people knew that about like meeting your celebrities or meeting your heroes it's like have a real conversation with them just ask like how they're doing ask a real question like treat them like people they love that they'll open up more in a way and the interaction will be better for it and you'll have better memories like
2: Mr. Shatner I loved you in that you know that one intro sequence that one episode in Police Squad (laughs) yes where where you're getting poisoned
0: yes (laughs) I loved him in that too (laughs) Shatner I I loved one of your two episodes of the Twilight Zone but it's not the one you think Yeah. okay it is the one you think
1: <laughs> okay, this is the one you
0: think. I'm sorry, I'm such a fan. Yes, <laughs> no, I like the one where he's at the jukebox and it keeps playing the wrong song. I don't like that one. <laughs> um, very cool. So, um, and we obviously didn't get too into the movies or the show specifically, but that's okay. We don't need to. I think we've gotten a lot of Evil Dead talk and Bruce Campbell stuff. Um, is there is there anything else you like? You want to cover about? up into my Dead Talk? Yeah, the the welcome. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to my dead talk. Dent. Yes,
1: I'm gonna be like this interview is just cat talking about Evil Dead for an hour and a half, <laughs> and, an
0: hour and hour like half. we're we're casually working in some Jennifer bits. So actually, let me let me ask Boss Rush. Yes. Is there anything you you've obviously not gotten to speak a lot this this particular interview? Is there anything you want to ask Cad about the book or about Evil Dead or anything? We're kind of kind of steamrolling you. Oh no, that's fine. I video
2: mean. Games. Ah, uh, well, I mean, I, I figure you're working on something you probably can't discuss right now if it's still early in development or anything like that. So, like, I mean, how well, how did you actually get into the business in the first place?
1: See, I love this question because I can't, I'm not, I can't talk about the project at all. It's very right. serious in video games. Yeah. I can't even about it. Yeah, but that's, but what, that's what I mean. tell I'm you what here. my role is and how I got in. And okay. it's a really cool story. So I got in I broke in because of Bosco Uh, last year. uh, For those of you that don't know, Bosco is the sci-fi fantasy convention in uh, Boston, downtown. And I had lived in Boston. I just moved in October. So I've been there maybe five months at that point that the convention happened. So I didn't really know anybody apart from the horror people. um, And some people I knew from YA and that's it. Like, I went there and being that I didn't have a book out yet, I got put on artist panels, which I was really excited about because I was moderating a lot of things and it helped me get to know a lot of people and research who they were. And that's how I met Reiko Murakami, who's a fantastic artist. And I can't believe she got to do Joe Hill's comic book covers. And she's one of the most amazing artists I've ever seen up close. So cool. And I was on a panel where we were talking about working in animation, working in video games. And she was talking about working in gaming and I was like, oh, that's so cool because that high school where I saw Army of Darkness was a math science school, which is the one that Jennifer Strange is based off of. I had to go to a math science charter school where I wore a uniform. So that's a nod to that part of my life. And we didn't have football, we had LAN parties. Oh, yeah. So I got really good at Halo. I got really good at all kinds of video games. And they've always been a big part of my life. And so I was like, oh, Reiko's so cool. She works in video games. I wish I could do that job. And in the audience was uh, the head writer for a studio. And she (laughs) came to the panel because she wanted to meet Reiko and she wanted to meet me. Now, she wanted to meet me because we have both been mentors and pitch wars. Pitch Horse is a contest where if you're a writer you want to get into book publishing and you're sending queries and you just can't get in, uh, you can apply to a mentorship program and you work with a mentor for a couple months, you get your book in shape, you get your query in shape, your synopsis, everything ready for an exclusive agent round where the agents come around, you're guaranteed to get like at least eyes on your pitch and everything, and they request pages, or the full. they go around and pick, and a lot of book deals have happened from that, and I mentored for five years, middle grade, and young adult, and uh, Amanda Gardner um, had mentored adult. She did romance, and she, I had no idea that her husband worked at video games, and now she had, like, worked in publishing, had been a high school teacher, and now she was the lead writer for the video game studio they made together. And she came up to me after, we're like, oh my gosh, we're so happy to finally meet in person. Yay, so excited. And I said, oh, it's just the coolest thing. You work for a video game studio. I would love to have that job. I just said offhand. Yeah. She's like, huh, would you want to come work for me? Yeah. And I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> like,
0: whoa, like, oh, whoa.
1: What? So... She asked me to pitch her. She wanted me to show, because I have a lot of different skills, and I've, it was hard to figure out what I was going to do, because I can write, I can storyboard, I can illustrate, I can do graphic design, I can do concept art, I can do a whole, I can do After Effects animation, I can do a whole bunch of things. And they were like, we could use all of your skills, or some of your skills, let's see where you fit. So let's do a um, pitch test where... I would come up with like mini games and pitch stories and um, draw characters for pitches I was thinking. And I went through a process with them. But at the time, I had no idea who her husband was, no idea. And she said to me, what are some of your favorite games? And I said, Bioshock. I play Bioshock every Christmas. I beat all three games. It's my Christmas tradition. Like, that is my favorite game of all time. And she said, huh, really? And we parted ways, we went home. And I looked up the deep end games, and I lost my mind. I screamed from the other room, and my husband came running because he thought I found a spider or something. And he was like, what happened, honey? And I was like, you're never going to guess who Bill Gardner, her husband, is. (laughs) He was one of the lead designers on Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, and he is the model of Jack, the lead character. Oh, so no he kidding. looks like the lead in Bioshock. Wow. <laughs> and I was just, I couldn't believe it. I, I, it was so funny because I was telling my friend Chris Golden, uh, who writes for Hellboy and Buffy, and I was telling him, did you know that they made Bioshock here? like in Boston, like maybe I could meet them. I had literally told him that the week before. And I called <laughs> Would him.
2: Would you and kindly like, give this woman a job?
1: <laughs> I'm like, you'll never guess who I just met. And they're thinking about giving me a job. And I was freaking out. And um, July will be my one year anniversary of working with them. And I've never been happier at a place I've worked in my life. I am so glad I went in with like, you know, just show me how video games work. I have a bunch of skills. I don't know where I fit. And I went into the situation, I can't say what I worked on, but I can say I went to the situation like, I don't know where I fit. Like, I've built up all these different skills, but I kind of want to find where I will be best. And I don't know what my best skill is. So I'm just going to go into this like, totally open minded. And Bill has this really great way, and so does Amanda, of just kind of stepping back and seeing where you really shine. And I found that I'm very good at user interfaces and I'm good at doing like your health bar, your magic bar, your world maps, the world maps translated. Yeah. Um, So the HUD display, Yeah. I can't say like what I built, but I found kind of my niche in the game. And I'm glad that I went in like open to that experience and just what, where can I fit instead of saying, no, this is where I am. This is what I want to do. Um, Cause I originally wanted to do concept art cause I love concept art and I wanted to do characters, but I'm not as strong as at painting characters to say Reiko Barakami is. So I was like, I, don't, I still want to paint and I didn't know where I fit with that. And it was only recently, like in the past two months that I found that I can paint backgrounds for whatever reason. I'm really great. If it's not a person I find per- like people really complex to paint, mm-hmm. but I understand lighting of backgrounds. I understand how that works. And so I'm training in backgrounds right now and I'm absolutely loving it. Wow. So that's how I got into video games. That's, I just that's fell so awesome. into it.
0: It's a hell of a that's story. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it just goes to show you folks, you know, you never know whose hand you're shaking or who you're striking up a conversation with. And you never know, yeah. you know, if, if you're thinking maybe I'll keep my mouth shut here and say nothing, you know, y- yeah, maybe, but, look, look what happens when you, when, when just out, an offhanded comment of oh, gee, I'd love to work there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, <laughs> and wow.
1: That's so cool. It was bada-boom. Bada-boom. Like, wow. yeah. That and is absolutely awesome.
0: Absolutely awesome. <laughs> Very cool. You are, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're a pretty impressive person. Uh, Kat Scully. I got to say.
1: Uh, that's I get really cool. shy. I'm like, that's really? pretty cool. <laughs> and trying,
0: trying all that new stuff. My God, like you're like, yeah, I just fell. Like training and background. Comp-. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like you're painting backgrounds for video games. You're going to be, it sounds like, but the HUD display stuff. I mean, that's all stuff that you don't think about out like that the player never thinks about it from a design perspective. It's like you either just hate it or you love it or it's just there. It's just the, the, the color of the paint on the house or something. You're not really paying attention to it. You're like thinking about the house, but like, yeah. Oh man, that's, that's, there's a whole, there's a whole process and a whole science. I'm sure to designing the, the, the heads up display for everything and making sure that it works and everything's where you'd, you'd want it to be because we've all been frustrated with a video game that, you know, it, it had something in the wrong place or we didn't like the way that you had to go through this menu to get to that thing and whatever. So that's, it's as important as anything.
1: It is important. It's like, yeah, very. like when I wrote commercials, how can I explain this to you in 15 seconds or less?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that kind of translated. It was a weird translation, but I had a graphic design background and it just made sense to me. Cause I'm both visual and verbal. And, I'm like, okay. How do we explain this to a user very quickly, and visually, and verbally? And I was like, oh, I've found a great fit. I'm very excited about this. I really, I really like what I'm doing. It's so much fun. Yeah,
0: that's that's I'm hashtag, very hashtag to show everybody
1: blessed. what we're doing
0: soon. <laughs> Can't wait to can't wait to see what the top secret project is. Yeah,
1: yes,
0: yes. Uh, We don't know either, so yeah. I know when and, we're
1: announcing, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say. So I'm just okay. gonna say soon.
0: Yeah, because, yeah. Now soon works. Soon works. Yeah, and uh, we're you know as uh, big video game fans, we're we're familiar with Perception. Uh, Boss Rush was asking me uh, about it earlier and stuff, and I was like, wait, what's Perception? And I looked it up, and it's like, oh right, yeah, this one, the, the blind game. I didn't I didn't get to play it, but it it looked awesome. Uh, and I was like, I was aware that it was uh, being uh, produced in Boston. I um, actually had another random friend of a friend who was who had told me about it because their friend was working on it. Um, and that's just it's just so cool. That's so cool. I, I didn't realize that there was a connection with Bioshock, which is obviously one of, uh, obvious to me, not to Cat Scully, but obvious to me that that's one of Boss Rush's favorite games as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yep.
1: Oh, man, that game changed my life. Like, I, I love it so much. And it's it's been very surreal, but wonderful to get to work with them. And also that they're just such kind people that really yeah. think very thoughtfully about fostering talent. So yeah. they don't really mind whatever your background is. But if you show talent, you show interest, and you keep showing up to improve and participate and, you know... They're really open to that. And it's been a wonderful environment to work in <laughs> as an artist because I've worked in bad awesome. ones. I've worked in murky ones. And this one is the most clear and complimentary. Like they're really great at feedback. And that's something that as an artist, you really do have to train in or a writer. Um, how do you give feedback and not be a jerk? You know, like how do you give feedback that helps somebody improve but also you point out things that are really great about the work and that's something that's always been important to me especially when I was a Pitch Wars mentor about what can I say that's really overwhelmingly positive about this piece and provide feedback in a way where it's still left up to you like I don't want to ever like whenever I've mentored somebody or I've edited someone because I freelance edit too I don't um ever want to go in and stomp on somebody's stuff and say, this is the way to fix it. This is the way to do it. Because when you do that, you're almost always wrong. Like mm. you need to say things to prompt the other person to think about like, okay, this is why it's not sitting well with me. Like, uh, like I've critiqued work where the the author's really strong at writing battle scenes, but I'm not picturing the setting. And so I'm like, I would love to see where we are. I'd love to see, you know, what sort of climate is it in? Like is it really hot while they're fighting? These are things that are important. Like even though they don't they might seem like if you're strong in on one skill and weak in another, but you always want to be framing things with positivity um, it's, in mind.
0: Yes, it's 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 very difficult. It's uh it's something that it's, you know, you're entering this contract with a person, you know, as a creative person, you're going to be a little sensitive to, to whatever the work is and everything. So you also have to be receptive to change. But as the person who's doing the editing, you also have to understand that the, the, the creative person has been working on this for a very long time and that they are going to be a little sensitive. And so you have to be just edgy enough you know to be helpful and and a bad editor is is not going to take into account the, their feelings at all, um, or just be complimentary and, and feel like you know and obviously professional editors don't have that problem, but when you you know show your work to your mom if you're you know you know, a new writer or something yeah. like that, or you' you're showing them to your spouse or whoever, and they're just like, "Oh, it's really great, you know I mean that's not helpful either. Um, so it is sort of this thing where you know you gotta you gotta both kind of do part of the work one person has to be receptive and not overly sensitive the other person has to just kind of not be too mean but it is right. it is legitimately a uh a difficult thing and it's great when you find a like an editor who sort of gets you and um and it, it just it just makes it a lot easier I think I, I I found that uh you know it's I don't know you sort of can anticipate each other's stuff. Well, you almost know what that person's going to say and, um, and they're not going to trample over your style and they're not going to trample over what makes your stuff, your stuff. You know, obviously like you just said, Hey, you can't just tell them no, no, no on all the things you're wrong. You're being wrong. So anyway, it's just, it's just interesting. It's interesting to have gone through that myself and everything. It's like, Yeah. There's 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 good and bad situations there,
1: absolutely. And you never know until you work with somebody and you kind of figure out if you're yeah, a you match may, or not.
0: Right. You may never click, and if it doesn't, if they don't really get your stuff and they're not really vibing with it, then then you know maybe they're just not the right person, and that's fine too. Doesn't mean your stuff isn't worthwhile. It doesn't mean you shouldn't stu- You know, shouldn't keep shaking hands and spouting out random comments and who knows, who knows, who knows. But um, but so I'm looking at the clock here. And, uh, and once again, <laughs> we have managed to make a two plus hour episode of The Brig. <laughs> we, uh, we, I don't know, like we, we shoot for shorter interviews and it just never happens. And I, I, I think it's because of our uh, glowing personalities and the fact that we have really excellent choices and guests. That's what I like to believe.
1: It's completely the reason. We have fun. And I feel like that comes through. I have loved being on your show and talking with both of you. This has been great. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. So much fun. Um, So before we get out of here, um, obviously go see the Evil Dead movies if you haven't seen them, but much more importantly, uh, give us some final plugs for Jennifer Strange, obviously still in pre-order mode and just kind of reiterate some stuff. And we will... Any 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 link that you want me to include in the show notes, I absolutely will. Um, so you can give me that stuff afterwards. But as far as right now, just one last one last blast of information. Go for it.
1: Absolutely. So Jennifer Strange comes out July twenty first, and you can get it from any indie bound independent bookstore. It's also available on Barnes and Noble, Walmart, um, and I've been partnering with Copper Dog Books to help their doors stay open so you can pre-order with them. Um, I have pre-order swag I'd love to give away until my supplies run out. You can send your receipts to jenniferstrangepreordersplural at gmail.com and I will send you your gift swag bag. Um, And other than that, you can check me out, um, like my art out and come talk to me if you have any questions or just want to um, chat more about evil Dead at Kat (laughs) M Scully on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can also visit my Etsy shop, which is Haints and Hollows. So I'm Southern and I named it after being kind of a spooky Southerner. So Haints and Hollows Etsy shop. If you want to see what kind of merchandise I make and t-shirts and things like that. Um, yeah, and my website is www.katherinescully.com if you just want to see some of the artwork for Jennifer Strange hear um, some of the early praise or uh, just find a way to come contact me that that's the best place to do it.
0: Absolutely, and obviously uh, we'll all be looking out for the Jennifer Strange show coming to Netflix 2022. <laughs> I hope so, that would be
1: <laughs> yes. amazing, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, just a uh, I, I'd always like to act in a TV show. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, just... That yeah, I can see, act.
1: <laughs>
0: see, normally Boss Rush would be scared to throw something like that out there, out there but now it's in the ether. You've empowered yeah. Boss Rush. <laughs> I th- I'm not saying
2: you owe him the role, but... No, definitely not. <laughs> do, do yourself a favor and never consider that ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, I know how that works. I was an extra in Stranger Things, so if there's a oh, call... Nice. If I do get a show made and there's a call for extras, I will tell you.
0: Oh, well, I will be all over that then.
1: <laughs> be an extra I feel time. obligated. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So once again, that was. this has been a, a lot of fun. I hope everybody had fun listening. So thank you to Cat Scully for coming on. Thank you for everybody uh, for listening to our two-plus-hour episode of The Brig. <laughs> go get some cat scully go read some evil dead or vice versa i don't even remember which way is up and down anymore (laughs) and we'll catch you next time